Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 776 with Jeff Dixon. The sheer focus and discipline of execution and the details and um, just that that grit and that that hustle, man. If, if you didn't bring it, you didn't stand a chance because, like I said, the, the competition was so thick. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Streamline your clean faster than ever before with Ecolab Sink and Surface Cleaner Sanitizer. Ecolab's two-in-one sink and surface cleaner sanitizer is one product that can both clean and sanitize food contact surfaces in front of house, back of house, and the third sink. Like other EPA-registered food contact surface sanitizers, it helps protect against foodborne illness. To learn more, visit ecolab.com slash unstoppable or talk to your Ecolab representative. What do you do when you need design work done, but you don't have an artistic bone in your body? You go to 99designs.com. That's what you do. And that's what I did when I needed to update my cover art for Restaurant Unstoppable podcast. And I have to tell you, I could not have been more pleased with the experience. Again, head to www.99designs.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you can save $20 off your first contest. That's 99designs.com slash unstoppable. I don't know about you all, but when it comes to artistic ability, I am a hopeless. The best I can do is a, a couple of stick figures and that's on a good day. So if you're anything like me and you need design work done, I'm telling you, 99designs.com is your solution. And we just recently launched our contest with 99designs for a new logo, an updated logo. Man, I'm telling you, the experience was seamless. And I was so impressed with how attentive the designers were and how they just wanted to please us. And it was like overnight, we had countless submissions on what we asked for. And I'm telling you, the experience is fun. It's a fun experience. I highly recommend 99designs, whether you're trying to improve your online presence or maybe you're launching a ghost kitchen and you need a brand fast. Now, go with 99designs. Head to 99designs.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you'll save $20 off your first contest. That's 99designs.com slash unstoppable. What's going on, Unstoppables? We have a powerful episode for you today. Yes, I did say powerful. Um, I'll, I'll let you know why in a little bit. But first, I got to remind you to please support this podcast. There's a few different ways you can do it. You hear all those ads that just rolled. If you're interested in any of the tools and services that have been recommended on the show uh, or the, the tools and services that are sponsoring the show, use our sponsors. It's pretty simple. You use our sponsors, uh, which we vet. We do not let anybody sponsor the show. Ideally, we're going after sponsors who have been recommended organically on the show. You use our sponsors. They say, hey, wow, this whole restaurant podcast sponsorship thing really pays off. We should do it more often. And they do. And my life becomes easier because I don't have to chase down sponsors. I get to chase down badass restaurateurs. So help a brother out. Also, you can support the show 
by using the tools and services that are recommended organically. When the tools and services are recommended organically, I reach out to them and I say, do you have an affiliate program? And if they say yes, they let me sell their shit and I get to make more money to grow this thing, to do more things for you. And then lastly, you can support this show by sharing it. Uh, if you found value in today's episode, which I know you are going to find value, screenshot the audio player of your choice and post that sucker to Instagram. Tag me, Eric Cacciatore, E-R-I-C-C-A-C-C-I-A-T-O-R-E. I will thank you personally. I know I just said lastly, but one more thing you can do to support the show. You can join Restaurant Unstoppable Network. Uh, that is my attempt to connect you, my most loyal listeners, to literally my network of badass restaurant tours. You get to connect with them over Zoom. I am reaching out to the people on their teams to do, uh, I think we're going to do a collaboration with uh, the director of marketing from Provision Concepts which is the company we're talking to today about how they integrated their uh, toast platform with Chowley in a third party or a, 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 some other app within their, their business. We have that hopefully going to be coming at you soon, but this is just an, an example of the kind of stuff we're doing within the network. So if you like this content, I, I'm literally recording something almost every day um, and they're live recordings. Like you get to be face to face with me and a bunch of other badass restaurant tours who are hungry to learn. Don't do it alone. Do it with the power of a network. It's so much better. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes. Head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash 776 if you want to get a link to join the network. Um, and today we're talking to Jeff Dixon, the co-founder and CFO of Provision Concepts. And I love this story today because, um, you know, it's just amazing what he's done in such a short period of time with his, with his team. Um, I think I don't always get to talk to a CFO. So Jeff, like I said, is the CFO of Provision Concepts. And we get a lot of great financial advice in today's conversation. We also get a lot of great advice on how to approach uh, investors and get money. So um, lots of unique angles came out of today's conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Here it is. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jeff Dixon. My man, Jeff, are you feeling unstoppable? Today? I am, man. I'm ready. Yes. This is, awesome. is what I like to hear. So I cannot wait to dive into your story, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? If you don't like something about yourself, change it. Yes. I love that. Uh, so what have you changed about yourself recently? I've lost, <laughs> I've lost five pounds in two weeks. Hey man, congratulations. I think I've gained 10 pounds while I've been in Oklahoma. It's been, the, I've been treated well. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. During the holidays, it's pretty easy to, to gain some LBs, but yeah. my wife is a workout fanatic. And so she pushes me to be my better self. And, uh, uh, I'm also building a pool, so there my kids go. are super fired up. So I've got to put on a swimsuit in yeah. a couple months, and I'm not ready right now. Bod. Yep, <laughs> that's correct. Awesome, great way to get this thing started. So, where does it make sense to start sharing your story? Uh, take us there. Relative to hospitality, I started flipping burgers when I was 19. Okay, I cut grass in high school um, and started throwing papers when I could get a permit, and so my work ethic was there and. Um, I was the you know kid who had to put uh, gas in the tank and uh, just learn to be kind of self sufficient. And uh, where'd you learn this this worth that? Was it like an internal thing that you always had, or was somebody kind of telling you like was, did you have like a coach, a parent that kind of put it into you? That quote came from a high school basketball coach. Okay, 
if you don't like something about yourself, change it. Mm. Very empowering quote, and I tell people that still to this to this day once every week. Um, bosses. So the guy I cut grass for. Um, just <laughs> my first day. I'm like sixteen, seventeen. He he said we have two rules. We we cut damn straight and we haul ass. And I just. I just picked up this work ethic at a pretty young age and uh, in the restaurant biz, as everyone knows, if if you're not all about the hustle, it's going to chew you up and spit you out pretty quick. Yeah. You've got to have a passion for it. Yeah. Because it's tough work. The hours are tough. Um, but I went to college my first year. Uh, I grew up in western Oklahoma, a town of 10,000. I went to a regional school, uh, Oklahoma State University in Stillwater. And I didn't really know what I was going to major in, so I picked uh, broadcast journalism. Oh. I was like, oh, <laughs> put me in front of a camera. I'll be, you know, I'll make some cash. <laughs> and um, it had way more writing and English than I was this ready before for. before podcasting. You could have just picked up a mic before and, and went around. Dude, but this was 1999. Yeah. My <laughs> first two semesters, I was like, this is not for me. Yeah. I, so I started evaluating, okay, what am I going to do? I moved back to Weatherford for the summer to live with my dad, and I said, I said to myself, okay, I've got an uncle in the business, restaurant business, who seems to do well and seems to enjoy his job, seems to enjoy himself, and so I decided to go work uh, at a restaurant for the summer back in Weatherford. I think I made four and a quarter back then, okay. and I was a fry cook and a grill cook, and I instantly fell in love with the organized chaos of the back of the house mm. because... You're presented with a problem, and within 10 minutes, you, you provide a solution. It was very gratifying for mm -hmm. me. Um, I now sit in this chair, kind of have a quote-unquote desk job, and I have to get up and walk around because I'm, <laughs> I'm a people person. Yeah, I get that. I'm, you know, in this restaurant business, it's so prideful to create things with your, your bare hands and concepts and, and reach out to the guest. Um, I told you earlier but while we were preparing is uh, we're not in the food and beverage game. We're in the people biz. Yes. And if people don't, if the sooner people realize that, uh, the better off they're going to be in this business. And we'll dive into that, but a little bit further, um, to, to tell you how I got from, from A to B here. Um, well, let's, let's hover. I mean, at this point, um, cause I know you ended up, you, you went back to school for, uh, hospitality management. Was yep. it? I, so when did that happen? Good read-in. So okay. I, I switched gears. I, I changed majors. Okay. So my sophomore year, um, I changed from broadcast journalism to hotel restaurant administration. Okay. And um, This is before you got the, the grill job or after you got the grill post. job? Post. Post. So I realized this restaurant gig's for me. Okay. I love it. I, I love it. I'm coming home with a sweaty, sneaky mess. I'm, you know, <laughs> dropping chicken tenders and cooking, flipping burgers, and I love it. Was there a person that influenced you at this restaurant? Because I've I've seen there's a correlation usually. People are in love with the work, but usually there's somebody else that's like, hey, man, or hey, hey gal, like you're good at this. Was there somebody who saw something in you and let you know that you're on the right path? Several. Uh, the shift leader who I w worked under, um, had a passion and a drive and he showed up and he busted his ass every day. What was day. the name of this restaurant? Did you mention it? It was called Benchwarmer Browns okay. in Weatherford, Oklahoma. And what was, the, was it a, a quick a service? Grill. Sports, it, no, okay. Yeah, it was full service. Full service. Um, little sports grill and, uh, you know, 1999, like prices were so much fairer. And yeah. I, I, I remember filling up my gas tank for like, 
you know, 88 cents a gallon, like those days. Yeah. And, um, the owner, uh, just the shift leader and the owner above me, those guys just, um, I just loved it. And, uh, they had a passion and a fire and much like the guy I cut grass for, or the basketball coach that in life, if you can have someone help push you and, and, and you, you want to, to make them proud and meet their expectation and, if you're the smartest guy in the room, if you're the best guy in the room, the challenge and motivation uh, is difficult to continue. So you've always got to be pushing to better yourself and find someone. So were these guys, how were they? Because it sounds like they did motivate you. They did inspire you. How did they do that? Gosh. Um, Was it just that they were doing, like, did, you mentioned they had a passion for the work, right? I mean, how can we emulate what you were seeing back then? You know, probably we kind of spoke about this earlier too. It, it came from me within the, the passion for whatever you're doing in life has to ultimately come from you mm-hmm. because, uh, we, you know, you can lead a horse to water. This is a common quote, but you can't make it drink. And yeah, these guys just recognize that I showed up on time. I, I busted my butt. I, I didn't mind cleaning, stayed late. And it was just fun to be a part of a cohesive team. And, and, um, you know the restaurant biz. It's uh, it's just a fun biz, man. Yeah, man. I I totally get it, and I mean that's why I love this industry is because the, I mean I love the work. I love like for all the reasons you stated the energy of it, but just the people are the most grassroots, organic, real mofo's out there. That's like, it. They're not gonna show. They're not gonna put a face on. I am who I am. Take me or leave me, and it's just real, you know. And, and it's hard to find that today. Um, so I I one hundred percent agree. It's about the people. It's about the the relationships and. Um, I mean, that's why I'm here doing what I do now is because I love to serve those people. So, um, what were the biggest lessons they taught you if, if anything before moving on? Gosh. Um, I mean, when they saw something in you, did they, did they actually let you know, did they point it out? Did, did they lift you up because they saw that you had this, this, this rare desire, the to encouragement super with 100% okay. the encouragement. So uh, to, to contrast, I had a job. Uh, that I lasted a day and a half at. And I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was a part of a team and I didn't feel encouraged. I didn't, I wasn't communicated to when, when you have a young individual, which the restaurant business well, I think is, I'm going to miss something. This is where you were working. You didn't know uh, that. So uh, I cut grass, I threw papers okay, gotcha. and for some odd reason uh, in high school, I, one summer I, I got a job uh, at a meat packing plant at a, a town close by. Don't ask me why. I was, I was, I was, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a dumb young kid. And contrastly, I was, I was not welcomed. I, I didn't feel a part of a team. And, Cog in a wheel, maybe? Yeah. And <laughs> when you have a young individual, the restaurant business is full of people finding transitional jobs traditionally, a younger workforce traditionally. Um, if the, if, if they don't, uh, feel, uh, a part of something that they relate to they're they're not going to last very long 
you'll see a lot of people go through the first day or two of training, and if they don't make a connection, they yeah. won't show up for the next second or third. You know, so that's it was it. the connection that you were able to make in the restaurant industry that you think me really like sucked you in? Aside from, or I should say, in addition to the 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 hustle and bustle of it all. True. That's a good, that's a good point. I've never really thought about that. This man. is what it's about. It's about <laughs> You're I do, digging I, deep. I like, make people reflect, man. I, I it's like a like a therapy session sometimes. No doubt. I'm going to save some money this week. I don't need to go see my guy. So you're right. The hustle and bustle of the execution and you love the, the pots, the pans, the, the, the work Mm -hmm. like that's the one thing, but you do bring up some value in that uh, any new employee in a, in an organization, if, if they, if they're not, you know, someone doesn't befriend them and, and encourage them and show them the ropes, put them under the wing. Um, you could be missing out on a, on a cool employee. And, yeah. That, I mean, I, th- I think that's a great lesson. And and I think that's what we can pull from this part of your, part of your story is like, you had a sense of camaraderie. You've had a, a sense of, t- of, of belonging. That's if you true. look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that's right above, uh, you know, you have your most basic food and shelter, right? And then security and then belonging is like right above that. Like you have to be seen. You have to be loved. You need friends. It's, it's a human need. I could tie in that phrase that I said earlier. I'm not in the food and beverage business. I'm in the people business. Yes. And the people, number one, are the guest always. Uh, that, that might have been the first time you said that during the recording. But I will vouch for you to say that we talked about that during the, the pre-interview chat. Right. <laughs> the, the second people, a part of that, that equation, are the staff. Yes. You know, if if you treat someone poorly, um, there's plenty of other places to work. And, and for the guests, if you treat them poorly, there are plenty of other places to get that commodity. Mm. I'm selling a – you can get the same, you know, burger, steak within reason. If you're not executing the food and beverage correctly, you're not going to stay in the game very long anyway. So that's kind of a given that you have to execute food and beverage correctly yeah. technically. It's that different experience that my staff makes with the guest – you know, because it's not me. I got, I have over 300 employees and we spoke about this earlier. Yeah. And I, I want to get into that. Cause like you're growing fast. You're attracting onto yourself. You must be attracting onto yourself. All stars. I'm curious about how you do that. Um, but at this point in your life, are you, so this, this was the, the moment where you say, I want to do food and beverage. You go to school right. for, um, hospitality management. Is it worth hovering over that? Were there any key lessons or pivotal moments for you influences you had? I love, um, I loved my education. Um, I am smart enough to admit um, that you don't need a degree to own your own restaurant. Yeah. It's it's a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears. And uh, it did help me get my foot in the door. So all throughout college, I... I, you know, I started at that one burger joint back home. Then, then I cooked at, at, at a spot in the uh, college town. Then I, uh, when I was 21, I got into the bar business, um, in Oklahoma city. And I, I just wanted to see all little bit of everything. I, I did an internship for my uncle and, and managed at a young age. Um, when I graduated, I was 23 and I just met my now wife and, uh, I had moved to a suburb of Oklahoma city. Edmond, and uh, it's where I've lived for uh, 15, 16, 17 years, I guess. And um, I interviewed with where I got my real education, my previous uh, restaurant employer, and massive guy. He's got 90 stores in this region and um, big presence. And um, I I truly cut my teeth with those guys. Is this Hal Smith Group? Yeah. Okay. And um, I was fortunate enough to work directly under – um, 
some great guys who were transparent. If if I was willing to to open my ears and my eyes to to how they um, executed and opened stores and financed them, uh, that was there for my expo. That was there for my taking, if you will. Um, if someone wanted to just punch the clock and and come in and out every day, they could have done that too. But I took my time with those that outfit, those guys, and and really used it to my advantage. Um, so let's hover over this. What were the, some of the who were the, some of the key mentors when you reflect back? The people who had the biggest influence on transforming you into the professional you are today. I worked for two guys named Hank and Mike. Okay, for Hal Smith Restaurant Group. And uh, can you hear my stomach through the microphone? I right just now? did do that. Yeah, we spoke about this earlier. Kind <laughs> of. Uh, if you guys can hear this, I'm sorry. I'm trying to get away from the mic. I don't. I don't know what's happening it's, on inside. It's of me. breakfast time, man. I know. It's, I'm fasting as a bitch. Yeah. Okay, keep, keep um, going. Keep going. Sorry. So I, it was the names again. One more time. Hank. Kraft and Mike Rogers. I learned a lot from those guys and they, they were directly under the owner of the company. And, um, Kraft was the first name. Yeah. That's an interesting first name. So no, no, no. Hank, Hank, yep. Hank and Kraft, Hank Kraft. Oh, first and last name. Hank gotcha. Kraft gotcha. And gotcha. Uh, Mike Rogers, Mike Rogers. That's what mm-hmm. it was. Okay. So who, who do you want to talk about first? Oh gosh. I mean, Mike was the back of the house guy. Uh, Hank was the front house guy. It, it, to put it simply, um, and those guys were so focused and uh, such great operators. And there were a lot of uh, gunslingers in that organization when I was with them who who wanted to take that next step. It, step. If you were an assistant, you wanted to be a GM. Uh, if you were a GM, you wanted to be an area partner. If you were an area partner, perhaps you want to be an owner. And they had such good talent in that organization that the competition was thick. So if you didn't show up and bring it every day, you you were going to get looked past quickly. And oftentimes in the restaurant business, um, the the hustle and the hours versus the pay don't exactly balance while you're you're earning your tenure, while you're earning your stripes, while you're paying your dues. Um, if you're single, may, maybe a little different. At the time um, that I ultimately actually left for a year and a half, I left the restaurant business for a year and a half. Okay, I've done the hospitality scene. Is that when you were a financial advisor? I was an advisor, okay. man. I okay. learned to sell stocks and bonds, and I left because, gosh, you did your homework. Dude. <laughs> a little I'm bit. Impressed. I only give myself an hour. That's all I give myself. That's cool. Uh, it's enough to get an idea. I read two articles. I didn't. Don't give me that much credit. <laughs> I was uh, 26 or so, 27 maybe. And I had just had my first kid with my wife. And as I mentioned, I was a senior kitchen manager, a super young senior KM for that company at the time. And I wanted to be a GM. And I didn't see them growing at a clip that I could bide my time to, to make that coveted GM. You said spot. they had how, what, what was the, paint the picture of what their organization was when you joined? Oh, maybe 60 restaurants. So the, is it that they kind of grew and then they, they stopped growing and there wasn't much room for opportunity? This, the concept I was in, they had plenty in the Metro at the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've been told on more than one occasion by my uncle who I learned to one that I wanted to get in the business from that I'm very impatient and that's true. You know, at 27 I'm 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 I should be, you know, this that or the other like by 30 I should be this by this I I'm the guy yeah. who puts these crazy goals on myself and these dates on myself of if I don't hit this by this age I'm a failure, you know. That's true. That's 
something I struggle with. Um, I think it's a generational thing, and it's from our generation. I'm only five years younger than you. I think it's a, and it's only getting worse. I think is we, we, it's a right now. We want things right now. We're just so used to getting things right now. But I think it's a really important lesson that like it doesn't happen overnight. It happens. I mean, if you don't like where you are, change it, right? Yep. But at the same time, be patient because it takes time. You, you got you got to put the hours in. You got to put the sweat in, um, and you have to be patient. You you're not entitled to shit. But. You're never, if you wait until you have, how do I say this? If you wait until you're ready to have your first kid, you're yeah. never going to have a That's kid. another point. There's a balance to everything because you're never going to be ready, right? Yeah. You, you fake it till you make it on owning your own business on a lot of aspects. And, and you can, the, the biggest thing is if you know the operations, the day to day, you can, you can outsource the, that back office component or that financial question or you know, hire an attorney for the, you know, forming some organizational documents, that sort of thing. Um, but to keep painting the picture, I'm with these guys, I'm hustling, I'm grinding. And I, my wife called me one day balling and, you know, she had just had our first kid and it's tough, man. And like I said, sometimes the work and I'm a guy who's showing up early, staying late and you know, you're working so many hours, man. And if, and if the pay doesn't equate, sometimes, you know, home life can be tough. And well, you got married young, right? I did. Yeah. yeah. 25, 24, 25. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think that's young by today's standards, maybe yeah. not by 30 years or 40 years ago. Right. But, uh, you got, you got liabilities. Correct. You know? So I get that. You got to find that balance. You got to, you got to, you know, be willing to sacrifice a little bit in your career to, to, to climb the ladder and to be patient. But you also have to put, you know, kids through college. That's true. <laughs> you got to start those, those funds. That's true. Um, so, I had an advisor who I was putting a little bit of money away every month with. And I said, man, this guy wears a suit every day. Well, you had an advisor at the age of 25? Yeah. Uh, a financial advisor yeah, at the age of 25? Yeah. That's a lesson right there. I don't think many people think to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess just fortunate to... Who taught you? Where, where did that seed get planted to, to, to have somebody pay you? How You weren't making enough money... That's well, true. Your job, but you could afford fifty a bucks. Advice. Fifty bucks a month is something. But that, you that's know, the like, point. Like uh, whatever I was, it was. Yeah, I'm saying. But what what was the return on that? Fifty I'll, bucks a month. Uh, well, it got me a job. So uh, before my, we get into that, I kind of feel like I I want to pull back some of these okay, layers. I don't cool. know. Go for it. Um, you mentioned earlier these guys had really high standards right. and, and that they weeded people out and that it was moving fast. I think that's a it was a little lesson real quick, but the okay. importance of having high standards and not budging from those standards because that's I think that's how because it's like the frog in water, right? If if you if you I don't know if this is the the best analogy, but like if you slowly start, you know, you don't notice the water getting hotter when you're slowly making like ruining your standards, right? <laughs> when you're bringing your standards down and eventually you're going to burn yourself. Right. Um, but if you keep those standards high, like, and, and you don't, you don't change those standards, people will, will weed themselves out. True. Um, so I think that's really important um, to, to have those standards and not budge from those standards. But we're talking about Hank and uh, Mike. Were one of these two dudes a huge influence on you as far as mentorship? Or they, no, they both were for sure, without okay. question. So, what were the lessons that they taught you? Um, the 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 sheer focus and discipline of execution and the details and um, just that that grit and that uh, that hustle, man. If 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 you didn't bring it, um, you didn't stand a chance because. Like I said, the the competition was so thick. I mean, they're the they're 
the premier regional player in this in my state. Yeah, um, they've they've achieved some amazing things. And um, so, focus I, I, execution. Paint a picture of what focus and execution done at their level look like. If if we open at eleven, and if line check is at ten, and you're not on the line tasting product for that lunch service at ten oh one, you're behind and um, tour quality every, you know, 30 minutes. If you're not walking around, make sure the place is immaculate for your, your staff and your guest. If you're not doing parking lot checks with trash and how often do they do a parking lot check four times a day? How do you know when it's time to do a parking lot check? You, you are, your ass is moving and you, <laughs> you go out there and you, you inspect what you expect yeah. from whoever you've assigned to do that first for you. You know, it doesn't mean you have to do it. But how were they making sure these things were getting done? Uh, checklists. Um, okay. You know, restroom timer going off every 30 but minutes. I can make a checklist, put this on the table. Doesn't mean I'm going to do it. You've got to follow up, man. You've how got to you follow, follow through. You, you, you hold yourself accountable. How do you do that? You're reviewed. And, and how you're compensated is, d- did you meet these standards? And when so- that's, the, that's the hard thing about business is... We're all not the guys in the hospitality business. In it, inherently, we're we're traditionally nice people because we we love to give of ourselves. Yeah, we're very service minded. Yeah, we. Um, when you came in, I I asked you if I could offer you something to drink. I I'm I'm welcoming. That's, yes, you're in my restaurant. You're in my home. Mm-hmm. However, I'm we're also businessmen and women. Yeah, and. There's a P and L every month, and we it's a business, and and we've got to execute and and hold standards, um, because the you know the the guest we we owe it to ourselves, and we owe it to um, everyone to just execute at a high level. And uh, I love this man. You, you you're giving us gold, and um, I pu- I pushed there because I and you painted that picture. You know, like you need to have standards, you need to have checklists, and you need to check your checklists. You need to have a checklist for a checklist, and you need to have the discipline to follow through every day. So I, go ahead. I just was going to say this. Um, I have worked for that restaurant group who um, didn't have the standards and didn't have the expectation, and. This was actually – so I, I sold stocks and bonds for a year and a half, 2007 to 2009. The market got cut in half. Any, the housing bubble burst. Anything I touched went to – you know. Um, I learned a lot about finance, how people felt about money. I, was, I, I learned how to sell an investment that, that I still use these lessons today in what I do. I got back into the restaurant business 2009 uh, for an independent and – it was like a fish out of water. If if you are going against the grain, if you're the one pushing a standard and, and th- those haven't been implemented yet in a mom and pop. Um, it's hard to get people to buy in. Oh yeah. It's, bro- it's rough. <laughs> Change man. isn't easy, man. It's it, it, but, but sorry, I, I don't want to cut you short. Get into that. Real Even quick. like a dress code, man. Yeah. It, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's, this business is, 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 you can be very successful if it's treated somewhat. I'm going to make up a word here. Militaristic <laughs> is that a word? Probably not. Uh, what's the word? Structured. You know, very much um, so. What, yeah, militaristic. There's a there's another name. It'll come to me. Keep going. Um, so, I was with that group, and and Hal Smith Group discovered I got back in the restaurant business, and they asked me to come back to them, which I did. 
at the coveted GM spot that I was seeking. So I helped them create a new concept as the GM, the proprietor. Um, uh, I was given a touch of sweat equity on the open. and So they were they creating a new concept? Yeah, I helped, I helped create it. It was fun. Okay, so let's, let's take a few steps back because there is some stuff you mentioned earlier that I want to make sure we get into. You have, at the age of 25, you had a financial advisor. Right. Um, what was your title at the age of 25? If you weren't the GM yet, I was the senior kitchen manager, senior that, kitchen manager. That was the, the number two in the store. What store was this? Uh, it's a concept called Charleston's. Okay. Um, how many locations do they have now? Almost 20. When, when did Charles, what did Charleston's have when you were on the team? I don't know. Probably 12. Okay. Um, do you mind me asking what you were making in 2000, uh, whatever, like high 40s, 2007, high 40s. Um, you have one kid at this time. Yep. Uh, what what was your financial advisor telling you? I'm trying to paint the picture of somebody who might be in your situation. Man, I'm I was small. I was the I was the the pesk. I was the nothing client. I, you know, literally, I think probably fifty bucks a month is what we were just putting in. But we met this guy from my wife. So my wife uh, was your wife working at this time, or she? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when you're making that high, helps. high that helps. yeah, when you're making <laughs> high forties, uh, it's like you need, she needs to, yeah, yeah, it's not, is she working? Like, where is she working? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I think it's huge. I don't think enough people do this. I don't have a financial, I'll, I'll admit, I don't have a financial advisor. Yeah. Um, but what were, what were the things that they taught you that set you up for success? Well, uh, you're giving my, this guy too much credit, massive <laughs> broker in the city. I think he still practiced today. And, uh, you know, this was just an auto recurring, putting 50 K in a, in a Roth IRA type thing and, and just buying mutual funds, uh, just on auto buy it. Oh, I so was, you're paying, you're giving him money and he was investing for you. Correct. I okay. was not, I was not, um, so he I, wasn't coaching you financially. Not at all. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. When you, when I say FA uh, financial advisor, it, it's, he wasn't my, on my, I have people on my advisory team today that I consider my advisory team. Dude, I'm learning every day. This is news to me. This is the stuff that the, I, I, I do not claim to right. be the expert. Right. I am the student. You're the teacher. So a stock broker, yeah. you can understand what that is. A yeah. financial, financial advisor is the technical term. That's what, I, that's what I did for that year and a half. Okay. The reason the gentleman gave me a job, the market manager, was because I had a chip on my – he said I had a chip on my shoulder okay. when he interviewed me. Okay. Remember, 27, 26, impatient – I'm a hustling young guy. Um, he thought I could, I could, I could sell and I could push and I could go for it because uh, they don't hand you a book of business to invest. You have to go seek those clients mm-hmm. and and go for no and make three hundred dollars a day. Um, uh, so did I, I derail your train of thought? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't want to go off on that ten. No, I tangent, got you. I but, got you. Um, yeah, I have an advisory team today. You know. I just hired my own CPA, fortunate enough to be able to do that. Uh, prior to her, I outsourced it. Um, I've uh, gone through several law firms, and I've landed on a couple, uh, a trust uh, law firm and a transactional guy who handles all my uh, documents. And um, So I've got guys and yeah. girls that I bounce Didn't things start off like of now. That, but <laughs> you don't, when yeah. you first start out, you're – We'll get into building. We'll, yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. So bring it back to the point where the – the, the the company you were working for uh, with Mike and Hank, the uh, Hal Smith group, uh, they they probably recognized like they had something they want to get you back. Right? Um, was this a new concept that they were opening from scratch? Was this? Was it was. This, yeah. was this they hadn't done pizza. number one. Yes, they hadn't done pizza yet. Okay. And uh, so 
we went to uh, Dallas and ate at quite a few places to do some R&D yeah. and, and, and see what we wanted to, to take and emulate and turn into our own spin on uh, brick oven wood-fired pizza. So we created a concept here, um, and I was uh, I helped – I was involved with From the Ground Up, and it was awesome. Um, that was my last spot uh, before I became self-employed. I – you know, 2009, 10, I think went into like probably 2012 ish. And, um, that's where I met my business partner today, Aaron. Um, he worked for the same restaurant group, Al Smith, and he was at a sister concept called Red Rock and a massive store did six and a half million a year. Wow. And, uh, what was his role there? GM. GM. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, he, I just knew of him. We sat in on quarterly meetings together, very structured company, Hal Smith. And, um, I was the first to leave. I don't, I don't want to gloss over anything that you want to hit. And I know no. you'll bring me back, but yeah, well. this is kind of leading into what started provision concepts. Um, I left, I left the brick oven wood fired pizza concept and I, I thought I had mustered up enough courage and confidence. And how long were you there? Two, three years. Yeah. Cause it was 2013 when you guys yeah, started. Right. right? Um, 2009 is when he came back. Yep. 2013 is when he left four years. Yeah. Uh, three and a half. We formed, <laughs> we formed in 2013, the, the entity yeah. that is provision concepts. Um, I probably left in 2012 because I actually left and started my own business first prior to Aaron and I peeling off. What um, was the, the business you started? It, it was an energy drink company. Okay. <laughs> Before if, we get into that, um, I, I am curious this you, this is the first restaurant you ever opened, right? The pizza, yes. the concept. Uh, we I opened the Charleston's as the senior KM. Okay, but this was the first one to be the brand new concept, the brand new concept, and to be R&D the GM and the GM. I think that this is key to being successful as a restaurant tour. If if you can, I mean, it's not it's not a keystone that you can be successful without doing this. But if you can learn how to open restaurants on someone else's dollar, because there's running a restaurant's one thing. Opening a restaurant's a completely different set of skills that you need. So, what were the biggest lessons you learned about? What did they teach? You? And they and they probably had you said sixty locations under their belt at this right, point in right. total. So they know how to open restaurants. Yes. What did they teach you? They had a lot of su- support staff on hand that um, were able to assist. Um, it was still seven days a week for me on the yeah. open for the first month. Yeah, what that that was just understood, um, and. Um, you know the 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 lessons I took away from them on that opening, um, a lot a lot of it had to do with just hiring and bringing on every team member from uh, dishwasher to greeter to bartender to uh, I I don't think I had a hand in picking out any assistants I think uh, those were chosen for me, um, but when I would come on to um, another store in the past, uh, largely the staff is there. And you're just hired to as an assistant manager to keep the train on the track. Yeah. When it's ground up, you're doing every orientation, every hiring, every, you're building your team from scratch. Yeah. So what did you learn about that? Oh man, um, you learn how to interview pretty quickly, yeah. and you learn how to make good judgments quickly. And <laughs> there's two ways to interview in my school. Um, when you meet them you pretty much instantly know if they're going to be a fit or not Mm -hmm. and gut feelings. Yep. Yep. And if, if they're not, they need to convince you in the interview that they are. Mm. If the, if you feel like they're going to be a good fit off the initial 10 seconds uh, of meeting them, 
um, it's kind of up to them to screw it up and derail themselves. And, um, you know, you make gut decisions on, 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 on people quickly. And, and you've, you've got to, I learned that you've got to, when it's not a fit, you've got to let them know. And you've got, you can't beat around the bush. How do you like in the interview, you're, you're like, you're like, this isn't going to work. Like, how do, how do you do that? So the, the coolest, smoothest way <laughs> I've, I've learned is, you know, I think I'm going to take a pass. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so mellow. It's, uh, you know, you, and you always sandwich critique, right? Man, thank you so much for coming today. I, unfortunately, I really think it's going to be a pass just, just for today, but I love that you came out and I wish you the best, you know, so you kind of squeeze in yeah. that negativity. Like grateful that they, they chose you, but it's not you're not feeling like, yeah. but, but we, we are lucky that you came by. But, yeah. yeah. I hear you. And you know, my style with, with people, I guess, if you will, throughout, um, my career, I've always tried to be somebody that I, I would want to work for. Mm. And I've never been that guy that's wanted to put my thumb down on someone. And I've always wanted to share. And that's why I'm fired up about you sitting across me. Today. I'm fired to be, I'm fired up to be here. Um, so with these openings, what about like, you know, obviously this is the first time that you're going to be recruiting, but what about, um, were, were they outsourcing the more, the, the, the technical detail stuff stuff or was your sole purpose, your sole mission just to build the team? Pretty much. Okay. Um, I was not in a, uh, a designing role, I, you know, like yeah. I am now, I wasn't, yeah. um, uh, buying the furniture, designing where it's going to go. I wasn't placing the equipment. I wasn't, that wasn't so much my my role as it was to yeah. to build the team, and uh, but I think as a restaurant tour, the best skill you can have is a, a team building skill because you can't do it by yourself. You're, that's true. You're building teams as a restaurant tour. You're, you're surrounding yourself with people who are better at shit than you are. That's correct. Um, those skills are going to stay with you forever. Um, so, kind of moving forward, I guess, unless there's anything else you want to drop on us about what you've learned about building a restaurant, and you were there for two years, almost three years yeah. as the GM. Any any lessons for a time GM? Oh man. So uh, much, right? Well, so I'm making the most money ever. Uh, you know, I've got this coveted spot. I'm not making low forties anymore. Yeah. I was making double that. Okay. Um, but it wasn't enough. Like the impatientness, the, um, I wanted more. I, I what wasn't enough, the, not just the cash, but like what, 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 where were you avoid? I was, I was a number. Mm. I wasn't the, the, captain of my own ship. I wasn't, I, I was just, I was punching time for somebody else. And I wanted to be on the other side of the table. Uh, when I gave my notice, um, you know, I, I, I was emotional and, uh, I'm a wear your heart on your sleeve type of guy. And I said, when I, I'm going to come back in the restaurant business. When I do, I want to be on your side of the table when I do. And uh, I remember telling that to Mike and something to similar to that effect to Hank. And, um, I, I, I did a crazy first business that flopped and then I was from ground zero. I called Aaron and said, Hey man, you know, remember me? <laughs> and, uh, uh, we, we used to hustle alongside each other. We didn't really know each other that well. Uh, it was kind of a shotgun partnership. Shotgun yeah. Wedding. I was curious about that. Cause it's usually, you know, usually in the trenches with your, with your future partners, but it sounds like you guys weren't that close. We recognized each other's hustle okay, and P and L's and top line volume and execution and, uh, desired because you're probably coming together semi annually or maybe quarterly, quarterly. for mm-hmm. yeah, and you're comparing numbers and yep. you, you probably this is this is the guy you're looking at going like oh he's he's my competition this is it's this, it's thick dude when, when <laughs> you, I don't want to make assumptions either 
No, it, it, when you, it, we weren't so much direct competition because we were in different concepts at the time. But you're comparing, you're constantly comparing yourself to But we were to comparing each yeah. other's, how we brought it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Aaron and I have been such a great marriage from day one because. Let's, let's, let's put that on the back burner. I think okay. now's a good time to take a break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. Who wants to be more efficient and cleaner? Everyone. So streamline your clean faster than ever before with Ecolab Sink and Surface Cleaner Sanitizer. Ecolab's two-in-one Sink and Surface Cleaner Sanitizer is one product that can both clean and sanitize food contact surfaces in front of house, back of house, and the third sink. Like other EPA-registered food contact surface sanitizers, it helps protect against foodborne illness and also kills SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19 in 15 seconds, and norovirus, the flu, and common cold viruses in 30 seconds, helping you reduce risk, simplify your procedures, and help protect your team, your guests, and your reputation with Ecolab Sink and Surface Cleaner Sanitizer. Visit ecolab.com slash unstoppable or talk to your Ecolab representative. We're back, and you were just starting to get into how you um, started uh, your own energy drink company that flopped. How long did it take from start to finish to, to be a, a thing? <laughs> Man, it lasted probably a year. Okay. Um, so why? What, what was going through your mind? Why that? At the time, craft beer was on the come up. This is 2012, 2011. Yeah. Okay. And uh, local craft brewers um, in, the, in Oklahoma anyway. Were, were really starting to pop up, and I thought, gosh, if these guys can do it in the beer space, uh, I, I know my restaurant was supporting them. Uh, they had revenue. They, they appeared to be, quote-unquote, successful. Um, I said, man, you know, I can kind of do this local energy drink thing. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I found a way to produce it and bottle it. Dr. Pepper bottled it. I had a local Coors uh, – distributor distributing it i got into over a hundred local 7-elevens wow. I, this thing was you know it was working how would uh, you, you know about making energy drinks nothing I, <laughs> google you know it's amazing what you can find out on the so internet you, you created your own recipe too i outsourced that but okay. i did okay. you know um i created the blend that i wanted and uh the problems there i was I, I knew nothing about the space. Okay. Competing for shelf space and lessons learned, massively undercapitalized. Um, it, it wasn't that I, it wasn't working. I wasn't having revenue. I just, um, I didn't even compare to, you know, the big boys in the space on, on revenue and ultimately just financially the thing just didn't work. Mm. And um, I recognized that and, um, took some licks and uh did you have to raise capital to do this yeah. any advice on that undercapitalized and undervalued the 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 initial units that i sold what uh, do you mean by that so when you f- fund a business you create a, a budget for what it's going to cost mm-hmm. to get it off the ground and sustain it if if you think there's going to be losses unless you'll be profitable from day one you create a budget mm-hmm. number one number two uh you know, what's it cost to get it to day one? Second, you do a performa. What What do you think your revenue will be and what do you think your expenses will be and what do you think is going to be left at the end of the month? And based off what you think will be left at the end of the month and what you need to raise, uh, then you can start to form a valuation that you think you can or can't sell. 
and you've got to be fair. You can and you guys should be doing this when you're doing when you're opening a restaurant too. That doesn't that isn't just for energy drinks. That's No, for, that's that's what I do every yeah, day yeah, today. Yeah. I, I'm opening four stores this year and I'm doing four budgets and I'm doing four performers and I'm valuing you know, investment in them all and they're all different. Mm-hmm. And um so uh lessons learned on that uh, just completely uh, sold the units w- w- way too low and didn't raise enough uh, money and um took some licks and had some dark days man you know are you saying you sold, sold a unit are you talking about a can uh, in a in an LLC yeah they're not called shares they're called units okay so 1% of the company is one unit okay. traditionally got it when when you see uh, so you undervalued so you were selling the units too low, gotcha. <laughs> yep, gotcha. And uh, how low? Oh, dude, the f- a year and a half in and out low. <laughs> exactly. Okay, not that I don't mean to laugh. But. No, man, it's 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 nothing to to laugh so about. I, it. It's, I think sorry. There's lessons to be learned, man. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, uh, and just experience and uh, people didn't invest what they didn't have to lose and i you know my wife and my family sucked it up too yeah uh, yeah i mean it's tough uh and i think i think the lesson there is whatever you think it's going to take add it 50 percent. correct that's something and, and like that's what comes up a lot in the restaurant industry when you're doing a build out whatever you think it's going to cost add 50 percent uh also i think another thing too is if if you're if you if you do a pro forma and you say okay we're gonna need a million dollars let's make it a million and a half what's an extra $30,000 to hire an expert, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I, and I think people are, they're trying to be, you know, as, as, you know, tight as possible, but man, it's way more expensive to fail, yep. you know, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I couldn't agree more. I've never done a, a build out that I didn't have a quote unquote change order in. Yeah. I've never built a house that I didn't have a yeah. change order. I've never built a business or company that's, you said, whoops on the, on your budget and said, didn't think about that. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so, uh, so here I am laughing at you like a dick. <laughs> take us to the point where, what were you like? What take us, what, where was your life after like going for this, uh, getting, you know, investors and failing? Like where were dark you? Dark days, man. To paint uh, that picture. Well, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I've said that. And, uh, you know, it's never fun to lose anybody's money. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's um, it's tough, man. It, it, and often I'm the rarity who flops their first business and then starts another one. Uh, most people would have hung it up. I feel. I mean, perhaps I, I've got that. It comes back to that work ethic and that that go for no. You know, just that drive and that hustle. You know. I mean, what's the point of of you know just wallowing in your your failure when you could you know look to the future and say okay. You've Time got to keep like you're not doing anybody, including yourself, any good. That's true. You got to just keep going forward. You've got open wounds. It's it's tough to 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 press forward, and and you just if you don't like something about yourself, change it. So it, it yeah, just, exactly. You keep m- moving forward. So what were the if you had to distill like one or two of your biggest lessons from that experience that set you up for success with your next your next venture? What were they? The recognizing the amount of capital it takes to do something successfully. Mm. Number one. Um, number two, be proud of, of what you're, uh, nobody wants to charge too much for an investment and, uh, and, and it doesn't work, but, um, give it an honest throw, say it's going to cost this. And, and if, 
and if someone can't afford to invest, then then it's not for them, and you go mm-hmm. on to the next guy yeah. or girl. It's a uh, and um, you know. There's two things you don't mess with in life: somebody's family and somebody's money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, those are they get pretty. Off, can't imagine why they get a little sensitive about those two yeah. topics. But uh, I, I just learned to um, assess what it costs to open a business a, a lot better, and um, that's probably it. You know, so you picked yourself up uh, from your bootstraps. Yep. That ex- that's the expression. Sure. Right? Um, or in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you said, okay, I, I'm going to stick to what I know. I'm going to do a restaurant. Correct. I, I don't want to put words into your mouth either. So that's hundred percent. It? Okay. I called Aaron and I said, man, I've got nowhere to go, but up. Yeah. He was the one who took the risk. He's making six figures as a GM of a six and a half million dollar restaurant. He's, he and his wife are the ones who took the risk. I, I had already, you know, shown, put mud on my face. So, um, we met and, uh, we agreed to give it a go and we started driving around town, found a four lease spot that we thought would be successful for our first one. I walked in, I, I, I called the number on the, the building, the four lease sign met the, uh, met the landlord. I was wearing a pair of jeans that had holes in them and I, I had a cheap little uh, blazer on, I was trying, you know, I'm this entrepreneur, you know, <laughs> uh, and I talked myself in, I talked him in, he's wearing a pinstripe suit, by the way. I talked him into giving me a 30 day LOI on this 8,000 square foot space. Um, and I had 30 days to put this deal together and, and come up with the money to put down the deposit and to get it done. And, Within 30 days, Aaron and I inked seven figures of uh, investment and got going on our first restaurant. That's crazy. Uh, how much time went elapsed from when you reached out to Aaron to when you were looking at this space? <sighs> we, inc- we incubated this whole idea for a few months. Uh, I didn't have much time to burn because I'm sitting here with no job and... Um, so I couldn't afford to just lollygag around and, yeah. but we marinated on this idea. What are we going to call this company? How are we going to do it? What's going to be our first? We, we asked ourselves, what does the market need? Okay. That's important. Yeah. You're not going to put a burger. Let's do a burger concept next to a burger concept. Like yeah. you ask yourself strategically. Well, I was actually going to, I was curious. Did you start And this is, this is kind of interesting because we hear a lot of the time, you know, you don't. It's it's like it's a, I think it's a combination of what does the market need slash what do I want to what do I bring to the table what will make me be able to show up every day to this thing where's that balance for you where did you guys find that balance of this is what we should do because we have to show up to this thing it has to be an extension of us but we, like you said you can't put a burger concept between two burger concepts right traditionally people do what they know Aaron and I both had experience cooking with wood on. Uh, a grill mm-hmm. and the market was full of steakhouses that used a Montague or a gas grill. And so we thought we'd elevate, we'd, we'd, we'd shift, we'd pivot from the traditional low ceiling crown molding, darker, uh, mostly wood interior steakhouse that you're, you walk in and you whisper and you say, gosh, what are we going to have for dinner? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm so excited to be here. We, we wanted to create an open, more modern take, um, on a steakhouse that was 
a little more roll your sleeves up, loud. laugh out loud. Yeah. That's where our tagline on our website came, you know, where we eat well and laugh loudly, something to that effect. And you can loosen your necktie at Broadway 10 and, and ha- have a joke over dinner and you're eating a $60 steak. And um, uh, so you do what you know, you, you do what you think the market needs at the time downtown Oklahoma City was really resurging in companies relocating to making downtown more dense Mm. and hotels were coming about so we thought we need meeting room space private dining room space and it can afford to have that Amex swipe and this is I feel like where you your experience is starting to serve you because you don't I mean you don't really make your money on the dining room floor as much as you do in the catering the special events the the, having a board like that, like the corporate money is where you really start to you know increase those margins. The the ticket average at Broadway Ten is impressive. I think it's seventy five uh, per person. Um, and um, if and we came out of the gate building a two point three million dollar project from start to finish with everything involved. Having op- money in the operating account that that was our come to the show with a big boy restaurant. Yeah. We felt if we would create a tiny little something that that was safer, we would have probably failed uh, because we would have just created a job for ourselves. And when we inked that first lease, the landlord said, we had just got the finance, the, the debt financing that morning, signed an inch and a half worth of paperwork, signed our life away, put our homes on the line, you name it. Uh, just inked the lease with personal guarantees. Um, you know, we've just come off this high of doing this biggest thing we've ever done. They said, you got 20 minutes. We want to show you the second spot. The same day we inked the first one, we went and looked at the second site for, uh, we didn't, you know, we're, we didn't have a, a plethora of, of concepts to pull from. They said, we think this would be, be a cool little space. And sidecar was born. Yes. And, oh, that's awesome. Well, I, one thing we haven't really gotten into yet is that you said you were able to um, raise seven figures in 30 days. Yeah. I think there's got to be some lessons there um, on how to approach people. Why do you think you're getting the money? What What do you think you need to get the money? Like, get into that a little bit. I, I have some ideas, but I want to see what you say. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron and I, um, Aaron's a lot more polished than I am. I'm pretty... Um, uh, Frank and uh, I had the the experience to package an investment and sell it in a simple uh, stated manner. Here's the investment. Here's what we think we'll do. Here's what we think it'll return. And I could express that technically. Yeah. I think your your financial background must have had a huge like, massive being able to present this. If right? I if I would have stayed in my lane, I, this is a nowadays. Uh, let's let's back up. My parents had one job for 30 years and they retired. Nowadays, I, I strongly encourage others uh, in the workforce, don't be afraid to take your blinders off of, of something and broaden your horizons and see what else is out there. If I didn't try that brokerage job, I never would be doing what I'm doing today because all I would have known was uh, line check at 10 o'clock. Uh, cook a steak so many minutes on this. Like I, I wouldn't have broadened my horizons and, and discovered that I could actually do something other than just, uh, you know, the restaurant operations. And, um, we were able to raise the cash because Aaron and I were a decent presentation. We, we could get dolled up and, and create a packet and 
and had the courage to go ask investment. And, you know, the restaurant he was running was full of, um, you know, well-to-do individuals who had, uh, when you go out to eat dinner anymore, I mean, we're selling a discretionary income item. You, you can eat PB and J. So we were kind of in an affluent group, uh, who could afford investment. And, uh, uh, we just started hitting the streets and hustling and, uh, made it happen. How were you, like, who were you going for? Were you starting with pre-established relationships? Like, how did you know? Yes. Who'd, okay. Anytime you raise capital, um, you're going to go for that, that inerrant, uh, friends and family round, yeah. they call it. Friends, family, and fools, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, traditionally, um, no friends and family are going to invest with you. Business and, and family traditionally don't work. And so whoever, this is to that person listening today who's raising capital for a restaurant or thinking about starting their own bar, and where am I going to get this capital? You're like, oh, I've got a rich uncle here or whatever. They're not going to invest with you. If they do, good for you because that's the rarity. Those who are going to invest with you, you haven't even met yet. And it will just snowball from there. Offer referrals of their buddies. And they're, and they're, you, oh, you should go talk to this guy. And don't be afraid to ask for a referral. And, you know. Uh, well, what what were they investing in? Aaron and I. Exactly. They're not investing yeah. not in. Not the concept. No way. <laughs> Heck no. Um, and that, that's something we were talking about before we hit record, too, is like people don't invest in concepts your concept is useless your execution yep. of the concept is what makes you valuable and you guys spent both about 10 years or the year now is 2012 um you guys got into I the think 13 probably 2013 yeah. uh you guys both got into it i mean right around you guys are around the same age right right so you had like yeah, about, he's a little bit older than me i dig him all the time but yeah. like when did you start um working for this company the uh hal company the i was 23 so and how old were you when you opened this place? Uh, 33. So you guys accumulately had like 25 years together yeah. of working for one of the most established restaurant groups in the city. Right. You got groomed. You got trained. You 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 had your assets. People right. invest in assets. And you two were assets. Make yourself an asset first. Right. If you want to go that route of getting investors and, and you know uh, opening a $1 million or multi-million dollar operation, like you have to become an asset. Um, there's the other ways to do it. Like you could start with a burger stand, you know, which, which takes a thousand dollars, maybe 10,000 max and let your cash flow determine your growth. But there's different ways, you know? Um, so, okay. You get the money. Yep. Um, anything that we, we aren't talking about that's that you learned the hard way up to this point that's worth bringing to the conversation. Oh gosh. Um, to touch on what you said about, and I kind of said it too, we could have either created jobs for ourselves or we could have tried to be um, pushing ourselves to be uncomfortable to grow out of um, the daily day-to-day grind because ultimately, that, let's be honest, that's why we left where we were because I, I didn't want to be just an employee punching a clock doing a job. I wanted to, I wanted to be that guy, you know, I I wanted to be my own man and write my own schedule and be my own, uh, you know, writer of my own destiny. So here's a problem. I see independent mom and pop restaurant. And when we had the one, I was a mom and pop independent, uh, but we pushed ourselves when we were uncomfortable to grow and we grew ourselves out of being upfront. I was the KM. Aaron was the GM. We were also the managing members of the entity. I was also at midnight doing paying bills and doing 
payroll. Well, I smelled like fish and, and you know, I just got done cutting steaks and you're, you're everything up front, but we kept pushing and, and growing and we wore all the hats up front to, to be able to afford a team of, you know, well, but not only, I think there, you have to early on cause you don't, you know, you, you have to develop that value over time. But the other thing is when you force yourself to go through all the jobs, when you know how to do every yeah. job, you don't become dependent on somebody you outsource. That's true. You know? And I think that there's a value in wearing all the hats and you shouldn't delegate that hat until you know how to do that job because you never want to be dependent on a person that I was blown away in college when I would observe fellow hotel restaurant administration, um, major, you know, students next to me, who would fill up their time with clubs. I'm in this organization or that organization. And they had zero real life work experience in the industry. I had zero clubs to my name, but I had a a resume full of restaurants I had worked at and got real life, you know, education from. And I, I can't stress that enough. Um, You've just got to go out and work. Yeah. You got to go out and do it. Patience, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've got to wash the dish. You've yeah. got to clean out that grease trap. You've you've got to flip that burger. So, you were the kitchen manager. Uh Aaron was the general manager, uh co-founders together. You guys started this out of your garage. How yep. do you So, what's the idea? I mean, I'm sure you weren't grilling steaks in your garage. No, but <laughs> but we were meeting weekly. We started that structure yeah. that from where we came from we put deadlines on ourselves. Here's what we have to do this week. Here, and, and we learned, you know, we, we kept our eyes and ears open during our tenure, uh, with the previous, uh, group. And we, we learned, we had to build our own restaurant. Um, so, so it took a year to build it and, uh, we financed our salaries into that and, um, smart. We're, yeah, we're, we're meeting with architects and, and, uh, builders and, um, hiring and uh, what were your salaries? Is it weird that I asked that? Like what isn't like what it was, it was built in. We took, we took a, uh, a lateral move from where we came from. Okay. That's probably a rarity. That's fair though. I mean, Uh, I I mean, you should have, you're saying the most people have to take a step back. Yes. Is that what you're suggesting? Or forward for a hundred percent, take a step back. Exactly. Sacrifice. If you're a career waiter at a steakhouse, you're probably making more than the management. Yeah. But, uh, ask yourself what your goals are. If, if that's, if you're content with that, great. If you'd like to be a manager to learn that aspect, traditionally, uh, starting assistant wages are, are less. So traditionally, but, but I think that foresight is really important and it, you should build yourself up to enough of an asset where you can ask for your salary and investment and build that into what you're at. Cause you, you know, you, you need to, and then, okay, we're open. Oh, uh, how long is it going to take us to get to the point where we can actually pay people? Do you have a runway? Right. right. And like, and I'm sure you work that into it too. Sure. Like these are all the things that people just don't consider. Like I need to pay myself and I need to be able to pay other people with no cash flow. Right. The runway is huge. Like yeah. you need that. Um, and that's, that's why I keep talking about, uh, you know, growing myself when it's uncomfortable because when you open, it's a tough game. Mm-hmm. We all know that. You're going to open the restaurant and there's going to be problems. So if you aren't saying yes to that, and this is my path is not for everyone. If you want to have one restaurant and be a one-off more power to you, you, you can stay there and, and enjoy a great life. Um, but 
I've just, I, I, I've, I, I want, pedal to the metal, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's put on the gas. Yeah, it's your personality type. Um, so, uh, okay. Anything about the build out or anything that's worth mentioning in that first location? And you already you mentioned it's two locations. You're, you're opening two restaurants mm-hmm. at once right now. How much time between the doors open from one to the second uh, sidecar open? Uh, it took us um, eighteen months from. Uh, gosh, not even that, dude. When we inked, when we inked both, it took 12 months on the first and another six to open the second. We gave okay. ourselves a little room to open the first one. So we opened the first one and in six months we we're opening the second one. So one of the things that's going through my mind is that you couldn't have done this by yourself. Um, you're recruiting and you must have been recruiting it like because nobody was the executive chef up to this point. Unless it was you, you're the kitchen manager. The KM, yeah. So were you the were you developing the recipes or did you outsource or hire somebody? Uh, we did it ourselves. So okay. um, if you're in the restaurant game, if you don't have a passion for cooking and can't do it a little bit, you know, you're, it's, you're probably not going to last too long. Yeah. Um, everyone we all we're all foodies traditionally. Um, and uh we did have to hire people. Our first hire, so Aaron and I inked this thing in January probably. We opened in December. Our first hire, uh, I think, came in the probably July or August leading up to the open in December. And uh, we hired our first uh, manager. Uh, he's still with us today. He's our area partner. Okay. And uh, uh, we have several people that have been with us from day one. It's incredible, man. That is incredible. So humbling, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. So I, I just, I'm trying to wrap my mind around opening one restaurant, um, removing your, being able to remove yourself from that restaurant within six months of the opening date to go focus on another restaurant. How are you getting to that point so quickly where you were dependent on systems and processes and people? So you didn't have to be there every day. Revenue. Okay. Sales cure all ills. Yeah. Um, hiring good people and, Trusting them to do their job because you can, if you want to never leave the, the, the restaurant it, because there's, I say this often, a landlord has to perform once every five years on renewal. A restaurant tenant has to perform every five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many things that can yeah. go wrong in a restaurant. You have to have, and you could stay there all day and yeah. you could never leave. You have to force yourself to leave, yeah. uh, to have a life outside a marriage and a, to sleep outside of that. Okay. Paint this picture of trust. I think trust is huge. I like to say, you know, the speed of trust, a lot of things can happen fast with trust. How do you trust your people? How did you, how did you set yourself up where you were able to trust checks and balances? Okay. And, if you're not observant when you, I work a day shift and I take the night off and by that, I mean, go to the other office and continue working. Uh, if you're not observant when you show up that next morning to how that shift happened while you were gone, you're, what are you observing? You're not a good operator. What are you observing? How the clothes was, what orders they placed or based off what's coming in. If, if everything was shelf to shelf and fronted, if things were properly stored, if what, what shift notes were left. So what things are you tracking? Oh gosh, man. The restaurant game is, uh, you're dealing with perishable products yeah. and so inventory and, um, shelf lives are everything. Um, waste is everything. It's your biggest, uh, line item on the P and L is your sales. 
second come your cost of your goods and uh 5% in the wrong direction can make or break yeah. one you know that's equates when you're dealing with millions of dollars of revenue that's a lot of money uh so i mean there's 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 a saying i picked up from Nick Cirillo who is the author, the, the author of a, a slice of the pie and he's the founder of Nick's Pizza out of Chicago and he has he coined this term the trust and track uh mentality right you have to trust you can't do it without trust because you need people and there's a lot of speed with trust. It's like oil, but you can't just trust. You have to track. You have to make sure that, okay, I trust you to do this, but I'm also following everything you're doing to make sure that the job's getting done right. So what items, how are you tracking that to make sure that you can trust? Um, checklists and physical counts and knowing what your food cost are is. Are you doing all the physical counts? When you're up front, heck yes. Yeah. Like you are you are everything. <laughs> when you say when you're up front, what do you mean by that? When you, when you've created a job for yourself. Gotcha. When you're the 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 CEO and the janitor, you're doing everything. But you you're not doing that today. Correct. Um because I've grown <laughs> out of I've I've financed my way out of that hustle yeah. and I'm I'm on to a different hustle. And so how I mean maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. How did you remove yourself when you had the cash flow to be able to finance yourself out of it? How did you step out of those roles of the tracking? I mean you're probably still tracking to this day, but you're getting somebody to get the data for you, I'm imagining. You teach and coach and and you give people incentive to do to do what you're asking them to do. You, what kind of incentive? Financial? Yeah. Uh opportunity for upside on position that, that's remember why I left the first time because I didn't think I was going to get that coveted GM spot I, yeah. I went to be a broker because gosh I'm a senior KM I, I'm not going to get that coveted GM spot and, and quick enough for my time so I what I love doing right now is I'm going to double the footprint of my company in the next 18 months and I, I kind of feel like I have to 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 keep the quality staff that I have yep, yep. if not I've got too too young of a talent pool. They're going to get wandering eyes and gonna go somewhere else. And I would encourage them to if I'm if I'm not providing them what what they want out of their you know career. If they're not going to get it from you, they're going to get it from someone else. Yep. And it, and, or they're going to do it for themselves. Yep. Um. So you can either choose to be the opportunity or lose them to another opportunity. Yep. If um, you're not growing, you're dying. It's yeah cheesy saying, but it's true. Is there a point where that growth stops? Is there a bounce? And that maybe we're again getting a little ahead of ourselves, but that's one of the things I'm really curious about. Like, what is that sweet spot? Because even you said, my friend, that you were a number. All right. So, gosh, uh, we're getting so, <laughs> so real here, man. This is what it's about. Man. This is not a fluff job interview. Like, we're trying to figure shit out. We're trying to share information. Right. And, like, these are the hard questions that people don't have, the, the, the or the, the conversations. It's weird. Like, how do you find that balance between growth and? remembering that like there's people on the other end. It's not right. just a transaction. Well, um, gosh, man. Uh, recently, uh, we had a manager leave us and, uh, we, we applauded her out the door because she wanted something else and, uh, didn't find it and asked to come back. And I was so humbled by that man. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and I was so proud of her for asking to come back. Um, because what Aaron and I are trying to do uh, with everyone is provide that upside that w we we all currently don't have. I want more, and, and everyone below me wants more. Uh, and if they 
and and if they're 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 comfortable, um, they can work for us and and all that. But we push them every mm-hmm. six months in reviews too. You know, um, I, I'm do- I have seven stores open right now. I created one out of COVID uh, for not two point three for point uh, three. Just opened. You know, the remodel uh, taking over a second generation space right now is in- the opportunities are endless right now. Um, it's a. I think. Uh, I think balancing people being quote unquote numbers, as I said, I, I felt like I was. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it comes down to the leadership being me and Aaron giving tr- real transparent, uh, calling a spade a spade what we see in someone, and 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 I don't blow smoke when I tell them I think you can make X. I think I want you at X financially, and I, I want you. And it's not just the numbers; it's about. I've got a girl in my marketing department. She's so talented, and I want her to oversee uh, a team. And I want to, you know, you can, you've got a marketing and a media company, and whether you consider it that or not, you do. And um, I, I, I want her to pursue having our own media company. And and so, the restaurant business in this day and age, at the end of the day, it's it's your ticket times on that on that steak or that burger and fries or that eggs benedict that's what it is we're we're giving the guest that great service and value but with technology in this day and age if you're not staying up with the times um you're missing a a big slice of the pie from a revenue generation standpoint and a and a just a slice of the market uh, we can talk about delivery apps. We can talk about vendors. Yeah. We can talk about. I think. I think what I'm social media, you, like where we got, like how you like talking about growth. It's not about you. You're you're trying to encourage the people that you're attracting onto yourself to create their own vertical and to grow with you. Hundred percent. And you're saying, hey, you're marketing, like, and there's no cap. Like, what can Correct. you do? How can you create opportunity for other people within the organization? I had an opportunity to speak in front of a huge rotary group. You know what that is. Um, I've heard of it, but I'm not, I can't give you the definition uh, of what the group is. Um, neither could I, but they, that's, that's where I got most of my research, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I spoke to that group yeah. and I said, here's where I'm at in revenue. Top line. Here's where I'm going to be. And here's where I want to go. So you, you said you want to be at 25 million yep. and you're trying to get to a hundred million. I'll be at 25 million this year. Yeah. I'll be at 30 something actually. And I was like, let's go for a hundred. Yeah. And Dude, that's for real. That's that can happen, and mm-hmm. I can't disclose too much of this. But we've sold our first license, so I'll have revenue coming in with zero expense going. What out. do you mean by that? Sold your first license, <clears throat> uh, McDonald's. That's a franchise. franchise. Got it. Franchises and licenses are fairly similar, but they're they're different in that one's a security and and one's a civil agreement. Franchise is really buttoned up on the do's and the don'ts. 300-page franchise disclosure document on you, you can't sell this, that, that, you know. A license is stay in this lane, and, and I'll allow you to use my name and my recipes and my concept. Gotcha. One costs six figures to get ready for, and you're governed by the FTC, and you can do prison time if, if you screw it up. One's a civil agreement. Yeah. And so I had an out-of-state group solicit us to um y- use one of our brands and i can't say which one i can't man. i understand Co- i respect Co- that Co- i respect that covid has has slowed it but yeah but, of course but when i say to come back to the tw- i'm at 
I'm at this. I want to go to 25. I want to go to 100. It's possible, man. Yeah. I think we're leaving the the, the listeners in, in the dark just a little bit because we haven't mentioned that uh, since 2013, seven years later, you've scaled. Um, I have them written down here. Uh, the Broadway 10, B10 is what you're calling yeah. it. B10 bar, which is your steakhouse, right. is now two locations. Just right? one. Just one. Just okay. a one off. Yep. So the sidecar is two locations. Correct. Hatch Eatery, which is your breakfast concept, yep. is two locations. Uh, when did Hatch Eatery come? Was that the third concept? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And I. Uh, Let me just get Ariel real quick. Yep. So you got two Hatch Eateries. You have a. If I'm saying these wrong, the pizza, say it for yep. me. Yep, Bira. Bira, Bira. Uh, Bobby Ice Cream and Chicken Foot. Yes. So and, and, and that's ju- all in seven years. Yeah, and I just announced um, uh, Bandy's Barbecue uh, over the that's last right. couple hours. So um, eight eight concepts, uh, twelve locations. This year, so I've got coming out of the ground that'll open this year. Oh, Ten locations. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think it'll be eleven. Eleven, uh, and then twelve if you count the license in terms of a rev, but corporately owned eleven. I've got two sidecars coming up out of state or out of the city. Uh, a different market in Tulsa and mm-hmm. uh, a hatch and uh bandies I'll be at 11 or 12 stores and so thus in six and a so half you're years, averaging like 1.2 locations a year 1.3 locations a year approximately I think it's like maybe 1.5 a year yeah dude I think it's like <laughs> one and three quarters but who's yeah. counting like so how are you able to what's what is the trick been to maintaining culture um, I mean, you're, there's got to be more people coming into your network that you can keep track of at this point. So how are you maintaining that culture where it was on day one? And like, what's your plan to maintain that culture? That's a great question. And I'm figuring that out. Okay. And we hold as much structure as we can with weekly meetings in this corporate office at one level with back office process and procedure Every four weeks, we meet with GMs in a GM meeting and hold um, uh, focused meetings on their individual store and their needs and their strengths and their weaknesses. Um, I'm learning as I grow that it's two steps forward, one step back, and that's okay. And I'm more stretched right now than I've ever been on a personal level and – I can't afford the support staff for the 11 stores that I'm about to be come um, this summer. I've got to wait for those stores to open. I, I, I'm I about to, to start. I've started bringing some of them on and, and using the budgets to open those stores to finance those support people. But when you, when you, when I, when we were at two stores, three stores, Super overloaded. And then you get to like four and five and then you've, you're able to afford that help and they've probably got a little too much time on their hands. I say that gingerly. Like yeah. I, you're probably paying more because you can't buy a half of a person. Mm-hmm. You can't buy three quarters of a person. You got to buy a full person. And grow them into where you need them. To right. Be. And yeah. um, it's up for us. It's about just trying to stay structured, um, focus on the big picture, me delegating what needs to be done. I've got a great... What is the big picture that you communicate to your team? Ultimately, sales and labor. (laughs) (laughs) This business is not about me creating the coolest new concept. And I'll beat a dead horse with this. It's about execution. And we live and die every five minutes. And just because we did 60K last week 
we we are promised nothing the next week. Zero. Yeah. We've got to execute and make the relationship with the guest that they want to come back and support John at Chickenfoot next week. So if labor is a you know sales and labor, two labor, biggest line items, give aside from cost of goods in the on the PL. We're looking at labor. We're thinking you know customer experience. Like the more labor, the higher labor, the better experience you can usually deliver. Right. It's right. Safe to say. Sure. So how are you looking to maintain that experience while cutting costs? You've got to be good. Yeah. You've, you've, uh, <laughs> well, what things do you do that make you good? Like, how are you? How are you? You've got to find the right talented individuals. Gotcha. So, this is a hard interview. Uh, <laughs> you're digging deep, man. Like, I'm, you're, you're doing you're a feeling... great job. But this is this is the magic, man. You're giving us gold, and I want to say right now, I appreciate you getting personal. No I doubt. appreciate you opening up because we need to do more of this. I think, and our industry, our, our industry has a long way to go before it gets to a point where it, I think we've fucked our industry a lot part of my language and i think that if we're gonna unfuck it we need to share information and lift right. each other up so you're you're, you're doing that right if now. you've Thank got you. two cooks on the line and one makes 15 and one makes 12 and the one that makes 15 brings it and the one that makes 12 is kind of a pain in the ass and uh just kind of goes through the motions and if you can have a conversation with that guy or girl who makes 15 and say, I'll give you 16 if you can bring it to a level to do more than not replace this person entirely. But you get what I'm saying. You find the right team streamline process and you take care of them. Yeah. I pay, I feel, I hope I'm paying my, my aces and putting them in their places. Yeah. You know, I, um, Addition by subtraction, yeah. like this well, is so you mentioned tough to say politically no, correct. No, I, I hear you. You, you said that you, the the first manager you hired is still with you today, and they're a partner, right? A, a regional partner, area partner, yeah. area partner. What does that term mean? Area oh, uh, a a layer between Aaron and I, uh, okay. overseas management and stores. Okay, um, uh, like what incentive are you using to attract onto yourself people? Um, as far as is it just pay or is there equity involved? Profit sharing. I, so I've started to share equity. Okay. Uh, that's tough. Yeah. Um, because I know the older I get, I just turn 40, you know, uh, I, I think about, you know, talking about financial advisor. I, talk, I, I think I'm about the future. I'm that I'm talking to a financial advisor and we don't get a lot of these interviews and I feel like this is the stuff that people don't talk about. Right. Like you said, it gets weird when you talk about money and family, right? Right. Um, but we need more. We need better money management in our industry. I think that's a lot of how, where people fall on their face is money management. Let's talk about COVID with money management. Okay. We were all handed the same deck of cards uh, the third week, second week of March. Uh, tri- by and large, restaurants had to close their dining rooms. The most of us, for the most of us, our lives flashed before our eyes if you were in the restaurant or bar business. I know mine did. I was on spring break with my kids in Colorado. I was just told I can't go up on this ski mountain and ski because I'm going to, you know, because of COVID and back home in Oklahoma. Oh, all your businesses, they're closing tomorrow. I talk about panic attack. Yeah. If I didn't come into that situation sound financially, I uh, wouldn't be where I am today. I know a lot of independents who not only lived month to month, they were exposed that they lived week to week. Mm -hmm. In the state of Oklahoma, over 300 liquor licenses did not renew this year, in 2020, rather. Uh, And um, 
when you take on investment, they want a distribution and a return on their money. When you have the fiduciary duty to keep the business afloat for the long run, you, you're in a, a tough balance of managing cash and um, and giving a return and and creating something that will last through the hiccups. We've all learned through, uh, you know, a lot a lot of restaurant groups just closed jobs and said, "Go wait in line at unemployment." We made the tough decision to instantly cut our uh, cost of our menu items by fifty percent. Everything went half off for this curbside only eight week time frame. I'm fortunate enough to live in a state in Oklahoma where uh, we were able to open our dining rooms back up after eight weeks. I, I so feel for this, those in, in other states that aren't so fortunate. Yeah. And if I wouldn't have come into that, that scenario with, with liquidity and, and have the partners with the lenders and the landlords to, um, to, to defer payments and, and to, to know that Jeff and Aaron are good operators and know that their, their stores cash flow and let's, they're worth betting on seeing them through this. Uh, gosh, I mean, so many lessons to be learned through COVID and, and I opened a store during COVID. Yeah. Uh, somebody left a space next to me in a, in a development that I'm in. And I said, and I had the cash on hand to remodel and open a new business. Some would say, you know, socially irresponsible, I, I'm not, I, I'm, my wife is, is immunocompromised. It's always a tough word for me to say. So I've got to be careful on, on, um, you know, what I do out, outside of, uh, the house and, and what I come home with and, and, and say, but at the same time, when I wear my business hat, I've got personal guarantees on bank debt, on uh, leases. I've got 300 families that, uh, yeah. rely on Jeff and Aaron to have a plan and, and to, to have enough cash on hand to weather storms that you take for granted. Uh, if 2020 taught us anything to, to talking about financially conservative practices, it's save some cash. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things I've done in my business is I've started using, I don't know if you've heard of the profit first money management system, which has been huge for me, but 10% of everything I make goes to profit. Nice. 10% of every, and the thing is, as you start making more and more money, that 10%, the, the, the value of that 10% gets greater and greater and greater and greater. And you just get used to taking 10% off the top. Right. Um, and I don't think any restaurant owner does. And I know, I do know restaurant owners do that because I'm, I'm teaching them how to do it right now. And the thing is, I don't have 10% to give, but the thing is, if you just get you, it's the small plate mentality. You just get used to, you acclimate to the new normal. Right. Right. And then you just get used to throwing 10% away. And then all of a sudden, holy shit, my debt's disappearing. Holy shit. I mean, right. I can invest in assets. Holy shit. Now I'm making even more money and 10% of that is going into, and that's what sounds like you're putting something away, yep. a percentage, right? Yeah. What's your percentage? That you uh, away? I don't, I keep a, a treasure chest, if you will. Yeah. I, I don't, I, let's be honest. I, I like distributions. So, um, uh, I like to send out a hundred percent of free cash flow, but, um, I keep a, a treasure chest in the operating account to, uh, weather a long enough storm. Um, and, um, I've got credit with, with, and, and I keep money in corporate accounts that, uh, Aaron and I have just 
because you know this what is you, what do you mean by what what is a corporate account uh so provision concepts um is my umbrella company of all my businesses and uh l l c it is okay uh it's an taxes and s corp gotcha. and um that doesn't matter but um man rainy day funds and and that stuff is so boring and not sexy but shit it sure was in twenty twenty in march man <laughs> i mean <laughs> Right, and this isn't something I I I I am holier than thou, or I'm uh, look at me, or whatever. Uh, you know, I had a, my fair share of panic attacks during that March session when we all did. Whew, um, I didn't make any money practically for two quarters, just because. God. Like, I mean, we all went through it. You know right. what I mean? It was Everyone, it was tough. Mm-hmm. Um, we're coming out of it. Hopefully, knock on wood, right. um, slowly but surely. Right. I don't want uh, to jinx it. <laughs> you know, I. In my role, uh, and Aaron's role, Aaron's kind of more front of house operations. I'm kind of more back at, back of the house financial, um, and, uh, analyst, if you will. Yeah. And that's so important. If you don't look at your, your financials as a restaurant owner, as a bar owner, as a business owner, and you pull the wool over your eyes and you just, eh, I'll, like, you don't want to open up the bank statement or you don't want to open up the PL, you're robbing yourself of being, of, of what, what could be so great. And if you don't, if, if even raising your prices a dollar, a menu item, if, if you're having, a, your guests will support you. They, they want to support you. You've, yeah. got, you've got to make I tough think that's decisions. another reason why this, this industry got so screwed is because we didn't, we are, we, oh, what's this worth? I don't know. What's the guy down the street charging a dollar less. And we just started price gouging each other to this point where there's no margins. And what happened from there is the quality of food started going down because we needed to make more money and things just got cheap. Things just got unhealthy and we need to remind the public that food done right is expensive. hundred percent, you know, and we need to charge what it's worth. We need to stop price gouging each other and start friendly competition outworking each other. But here's the thing. All ships rise with the tide that becomes the new standard that becomes the new, the new normal. Right. Um, but I think that's why we need to start sharing this information. So we have reference points. So we know the charge a minimum 10% profit on everything we sell, you yeah. know, like, and don't budge on those standards. I worked for a restaurant who lost money every time they sold a menu item and it was their number one selling item because oh, they didn't, cost the plate yeah menu menu uh cards you know like uh costing cards is what i meant to say everything like and all this stuff you can find it's out there right now if you join restaurant unstoppable network this is a selfish plug you get six months access free access to restaurantowner.com where you have everything you need to run a business you get two months access to carry luxem hr group that's another hundred dollars that's 280 dollars value for a 30-day trial and you know like i'm just saying like there's the resources are out there. Right. There's no excuse when you're first creating or getting the courage to start something, uh, whether it be an energy drink or a restaurant group, uh, the internet and Google is your, uh, how do you do this? That, I mean, the resources that you're providing that others are providing uh, that are out there are invaluable. Yeah. And, uh, they, they cost you nothing but yeah. your effort. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's really no, no excuse. We've, we've covered a lot today and you've given us tons of value. Um, it's hard to believe we're almost, we're over an hour and 30 minutes right now talking. Uh, I do want, I am curious what your foresight is, uh, with COVID-19 and maybe what your plan is to take it from 25 million to a hundred million. Right. Oh gosh. Well, to do that, um, I've, I've, I've adjusted my risk profile 
I'll, I'll, what's a risk profile? I'll tee this off into two compartments. Let's talk about COVID in a second. This new restaurant I opened this year on the remodel for 300,000. Um, I opened it with no debt. I opened it from cash, a position versus taking out uh, debt that's going to pull principal and interest payments out of my P&L every month. Um, I was able to strike a very uh, aggressive lease because who was signing up to lease restaurant space during a pandemic? Um, I just took the opportunity to to de-risk and to to, to do it unlike I traditionally had. You know, traditionally I've built restaurants from the ground up and they, they're seven figure projects. And um you have to realize um uh, when times are tough that rent pay- that debt payment st- still needs to be serviced. And if you can do something on a budget uh and it makes sense, um you you will love if it works, there's a lot of ifs, right? This is a tough game. Uh, you'll you will love what money is able to flow through to the bottom line. T- to get to that hundred million spot, I've I've looked at it in how I assess my risk a couple ways. I can continue to corporately grow and sign my life away, or I or can continually to corporately grow and negotiate no personal guarantees, which I've done this year. Uh, and you can't do that from day one. If you can, you're going to be a stud. Uh, but it takes it takes some time to prove yourself to be able to get to that negotiating power. What is a, a personal guarantee? If if the business can't make the rent payment, you'll back it up. You're gonna make it. Got it. And if you can't make it, they have the right to come get your stuff to help you make it for you. Okay. So you're you're tying your personal liabilities. Yes. Or sorry, assets to. Your exposure yeah. is big time. Gotcha. And when you first start out, you've got to do what you've got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you really train your thought? No. <laughs> okay. So cor- I can continue to corporately grow and do it smartly with mitigating my risk exposure from signing better leases than I used to be able to. I can take on remodel projects that cost a fraction and have no debt to service. So when you say a remodel project, you're talking second about generation space that left being someone's exit strategy or not, not even that, but like, you know, a, a failed business. Okay. What's what assets are already here that we don't need to reinvest Plumbing, in electrical, mechanical hoods, hoods yeah. equipment. Somebody paid for all that. Next and if gen. the landlord's willing to give that second gen space to you f- to just take over the lease payment, you inherited hundreds of thousands of dollars of assets. Yeah. The caveat is, you don't want to go into a space that continually turns over because it's taboo. And I'm that crappy guest where I drive by that revolving door of a restaurant and say, oh, I wonder how long they're going to last. And I don't even give it a shot. So the space has to be – it can't be too damaged yeah. goods. A, a net, another route how I can get to that you know, 100 million route is to pursue what I'm doing in licensing and potentially further even down the road franchising. Okay. Uh, what a, what a beautiful model that could be um, if, uh, you know, if, if you can make it work. And, and if people – and if you have corporately owned brands that people want to ride with you and say, yeah, I'll allow you to take a couple points off the top of my revenue every month because I believe in this brand and it works, et cetera. To, to mitigate to COVID, um, w- thank God the uh, 
you know, the third, um, vaccine is, is just been approved. Um, COVID will come and go. Uh, I say that gingerly, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a medical expert. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think by and large things will be better. Um, and we've, uh, I, okay, here's something cool. Uh, I was one of uh, the few uh, uh, restaurants in town, uh, our steakhouse, who was chosen by the NBA to be an approved restaurant for traveling NBA teams. Nice. We wear f- not only masks, but face shields. We have separate private dining rooms with separate a- mechanical HVAC to not circulate other air. And uh, w- we take this thing seriously. Yeah. You know, it's- well, I think that's the thing. I think that, you know, we're going to get to the point in it. I mean, it, it, it's crazy in my mind that we're being put on the hook to invest in all these assets to be able to do this safely when in like 12 months that these assets, these assets might be obsolete. Um, and that burden is falling on the restaurant industry. On yeah. the industry, it's our responsibility. Meanwhile, you're cutting our revenue in half by eliminating half of our potential right. profit. You know, it's like, it's like, what? How is this possible? Like, I don't know. It's don't wanna... thankfully because they issued mandates of how we could operate, the government backed it up with, here's some PPP money. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, $50,000. Is that how much is one of those HVAC things that cost? Is that going to make up for the the lost revenue? It's a tough, it's a tough (laughs) deal, brother. I'm with you. And there's no social responsibility right now. I don't want to get too much into it. It's super tough conversation. And, um, I do want to get into it, but I want to, I don't want to share my opinion. I want to hear your opinion. My opinion is uh, that I'm very fortunate, and I, I recognize that, that I'm in the state of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and I'm not in a coastal s- state. Um, and I'll pat myself on the back that I came into the storm with uh, a treasure chest, um, but uh, I will yeah, – I'm trying to be so politically correct and, and not be this guy, but – I was aggressive in my marketing push. Who likes to go food at full price? To go food sucks. Yeah. Well, I did half off and we were covered up. My were staff. You, were you profitable at half off or nope. were you, okay, nope. were you I just did, slowing I, the bleeding? I slowed the bleeding and I did it for my staff. If, think about this, dude. The, the people who closed up shop and said, we'll see you when this storm's over, they couldn't get their staff back after the eight weeks in my state that, that we were allowed to open their dining rooms back up because they were making more on unemployment than they, they were at the restaurant. My, my staff was able to keep their jobs. I was given this PPP. I, I gave it out as a bonus. And, and the gratuities on half off, people were more than willing. I have to give it up to my community. Oklahoma City community really stepped up to, yeah. to support us and my yeah. staff. And you you got to be honest. Let's be like, does everybody who's in this industry have the same passion as is, is, is the passion spread equally for this industry across all boards? No, there are people who are doing this job to collect a paycheck and when they can earn more to sit at home and be safer right, right. then duh, they're right. going to take the, they're going to take that option, you right. know? And like, how, how is this industry? How are you supposed to compete with that? You yeah. know? And I, I hate to say it, but I was really disappointed with how this nation responded and not just how the government responded. Everyone's talking about how much the government sucks. Humanity has been really shitty too. We've been taking the easy road. We're using excuses, you know? And I'm not, I'll say it and people will be like, fuck you, Eric. Well, I'm sorry, but let's just be real for a second. People are lazy. Generally speaking, we take the path of least resistance. It's human nature. If you don't believe me, research human nature. You know, it's who we are. It's what we do. And we leveraged a lot of people abused this government. 
in the past, and, and and it goes both ways. The government could have done better. The, the government could have done a lot better. We could have done a lot better too. I'm sorry. You know we. Gosh. Jared's like, God damn it, Eric! Stop going on these rants. You're gonna piss people off. Jared's my editor. He's like, Oh, another rant, man! Come on. Uh, I just I feel like nobody says it because they're afraid of what the public's gonna say or respond. And, the, and they, a, they're, they're politically correct. It's a good it's a good thing to talk about quickly. Um, Aaron and I have stayed politically uh, neutral as business owners because we want everyone's because you're afraid dollar. you're afraid of what the public will do you're afraid of what will happen to your brand you can't speak up i, I that's more dangerous than covid19 sometimes there's a line not maybe not more dangerous but there's there is a reality of people are afraid to talk because they're afraid of the public backlash that's that's true um you know we serve the community as a whole and not everyone agrees i Hell, when's the last time you went to a, 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 a holiday dinner and, and everyone agreed? You know, within own families, everyone disagrees. So we've stayed a neutral ground to serve those and, and have relationship and love people and, and be that service-minded uh, yeah. business. I will correct myself saying it, it maybe isn't as dangerous, but there is a, a threat there that's worth acknowledging. You can't just pretend that that threat's not there. Yeah, we got deep, dude. Yeah, you have to recognize it because there's a point. Like, life is about bounce. Everything's about bounce. We can't go forever with the economy shut down. You know, we've got to find that bounce. And we've got to be able to voice opinions. And we have to have open minds. Here's the thing. We have to consider other perspectives. We have to consider it. It can't just be one way. Yeah, People need to stop trying to be heard and start listening to other perspectives. It was tough to see big business uh, not not put the handcuffs on them like it was small business for sure. Yeah. You know? And uh, I will admit, food and beverage business, when you go into the establishment, I remember having this conversation with my wife. Uh, I said, gosh, why is this, you know, why, why aren't they shutting down this business or that business, but they're handcuffing us? She said it pretty simply. It's pretty obvious. Well, you go in and you take your mask off and you eat. Like, you, so I get it. It's high risk. I get that. I get it. Yeah, it's it's uh, tough to be on the receiving end of it. Um, a lot of lessons were 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 delivered this year, and uh, I, in transitioning to 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 come out of COVID, I, I'm th- I'm thankful that we're they're doing the second round. Uh, it probably should have been issued state by state. Yeah. Versus, you know, I I don't need it. Uh, I'm going to take advantage of it, and but. I could be asked to close again. I, you know, there's, there's no guarantees that that wouldn't happen too. So, um, uh, we got, we got crazy there yeah, for a minute. I should probably, <laughs> I should probably move on before I say something I'm not going to regret and I'll get either, it could either do really great things for the podcast or really horrible things for the podcast. Um, but I mean, we got to talk, you know, yeah. we can't, I think people are just are so afraid to say anything right now because they're just afraid of getting like destroyed by an extremist on either side. I will agree with that. Yeah. And I think it's foolish to say uh, blanket statements over s- certain thoughts. And it, there can be gray area in yeah. someone's thoughts and beliefs and passions. And um, man, what, talk about it. It's a crazy environment right now yeah. on any social media. And, and 
it's just, a pretty divided I country. It, man. I just talk to people. I don't even look at social media. And maybe that's probably one of the reasons why you never heard of Restaurant Unstoppable. But like, you know, like I just can't like I, I rather not exist like that. I rather exist in front of people in real life and just have conversations and listen and talk on share information, you know. Um, all right. This has been a great conversation, man. I Appreciate love this. It, uh, before we go to the speed round, I ask all my guests. Okay. Um, how have you? So the, the, the mission statement is to inspire empower and transform the industry. How have you transformed? Who were you today versus the man you were in 2013 when you started your business? I'm a little more risk averse. Um, and I'm a little more, um, I don't want to know, say forgiving, but, uh, like, uh, you've, the bigger I get, the less lone ranger guns, blazing gun smoke. I can be the, 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 I, there's consequences to, to bad decisions. When you first start, you've got to be a hundred percent diving in all in. And the bigger I get, uh, I've, 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 I've mitigated my risk exposure a little bit. It's so weird to say, because I'm doubling the size of my company in the next 18 months. Yeah. But it's that groundwork that I've laid with others that I've been able to tee myself up to do this. Yeah. But it's not by myself. I think at the same time though, like it's smart because you're projecting the market. There's going to look, there's a lot of void. There's a lot of vacancy in the market right now and there's going to be a boom. And if you were smart and you put money away, you had a treasure chest that you were able to ride this thing out when that, that switch flips. And I don't think it's going to be a a switch overnight, but it's going to be a gradual pendulum swing back. You're going to be set up for success and you, you have the, the the relationships with realtors and um brokers i'm assuming to to fill those voids yeah uh i feel like there's going to be a shot in the arm and a a big pent-up demand after um uh, those that have been avoiding dining in uh that will be released and those that have survived the storm will just come out of it even stronger um but if it's anything, just mitigate and my my risks and but I say that as I opened a restaurant during COVID, it's uh, I've just I've I've paid attention to what's worked. I've had I've had some flop. We didn't talk about this. Oh, that's I, right. I I bought a restaurant and uh, wrote those expense expensive checks for two years and f- f- uh, gave it back. Uh, we didn't talk about that. Um, all my brands that Aaron and I have created, uh, knock on wood, have been successful. When I was presented with an opportunity to take someone's uh, concept that they could could have used a little help with, we looked at it as a cheap opportunity to own 100% of a restaurant, and we didn't reconcept it or rename it, and we really should have. If we, if we knew we were going um, uh, it, to – it took – to to remodel it and reconcept it and IE cash, we probably would have never done it. Um, I mean, you're, you're batting like pretty good right now. Yeah. You're batting 900. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like not everything. I think it's a lesson that like not everything you do is going to be a, a home run. And I needed that man. Yeah. Like it's a quarter of a million dollar loss is, I hope my wife maybe didn't hear She's that. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you need those lessons, man, yeah. because the market gives them out and, I would have rather it be that, and I structured it such that it was a uh, two-year term that had outs and not full in responsibility. Me, you know, from now until perpetuity. Like, there's so many lessons to be had, man, and you've got to learn them. Yeah, and 
don't, you, that's don't, how you learn though. Don't like, live to your means. Yeah. I don't drive the car that I could, but I've, I've got that treasure chest to open up a, a restaurant that's been distributing money and doing really well. Like, yeah, but at the end of the day, it's not about the car. It's about the opportunity you're creating for others, yep. you know, and the opportunity you or the, and the, the finance, the security you were able to give others through this really weird time. And that's the stuff you got to focus on. You know, that's, what's going to pay the bills. Let me say this to everyone listening. Um, you're in a, uh, in the restaurant business, you're in a cash business. You're not in a, in accounts receivable, payable uh, line of credit type business. It's a cash game and you've got to have it on the books to survive, uh, good times. But the bad is, it's really where you need it. And, yeah. Uh, you awesome said it before stuff. when, when you do your budget, uh, Double up what you think, 50% yeah. more. Let's yeah. keep popping with questions. Though. Yeah, man. We're going to take a one more break to thank our okay, sponsors, cool. and we'll be right back to bust out a true speed round. I don't know about you all, but when it comes to artistic ability, I am a hopeless. The best I can do is a, a couple of stick figures, and that's on a good day. So if you're anything like me and you need design work done, I'm telling you, 99designs.com is your solution. And we just recently launched our contest with 99designs for a new logo, an updated logo. Man, I'm telling you, the experience was seamless. And I was so impressed with how attentive the designers were and how they just wanted to please us. And it was like overnight, we had countless submissions on what we asked for. And I'm telling you, the experience is fun. It's a fun experience. I highly recommend 99designs, whether you're trying to improve your online presence or maybe you're launching a ghost kitchen and you need a brand fast. Now, go with 99designs. Head to 99designs.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you'll save $20 off your first contest. That's 99designs.com slash unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure your profitability and restaurant success. Trusted by over 400 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you already use and trust like toast, turning labor into a competitive advantage for you and your business to get three months absolutely free. Head over to www.sevenshifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S.com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Get on it. We are back, and the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Waking up every day with a fire under my ass. I love it. What is your biggest weakness? Organization. Yeah, I feel that. How have you become more organized? Ask for help. Who are you asking for help? Someone I can trust. Okay. What is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process when you're growing your team? What are you looking for? We kind of got into this earlier, but someone has to be outgoing. Yes. In this business. Period. And that's why you can usually tell in the first second because yep. they're going to, the way they greet you is how they're going to greet everybody else. That they the interview is the best you're ever going to get somebody. Yeah. Uh, what is your biggest challenge today? 
getting through this interview? <laughs> nah. Um, juggling the growth, the two steps forward, the one step back. It's mm-hmm. often unbalanced. When you're growing, you're you're you've got too much on your plate. When you open those businesses, you've got you can afford the support staff to handle them, and then there's a, a lull to oh you can breathe. Yeah. But on the come up of growth, it's it's stressful. It's yeah. It's tasking. Yep. Uh, what is one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team? This is a core value, a way to be. Embrace change. Mm-hmm. How do you get people to embrace change? That's not easy to do. Oh. We don't like change. We we teach and coach it every day. Um, and you'll find out real quickly who's on your team and willing to, all right, you know, this may not be a fun part of my job, and but it's a necessary evil, and I, I trust the leadership to d- give us some rules that will better, ultimately, uh, the guest pocket, the, the guest experience in my pocketbook. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that you do to go above and beyond to serve your guests, something that's common within the four walls of your business, but not common throughout the industry. Dude, I, I read this question on the pre-interview stuff, and I am butchering it right now. Um, you know, it's just it's just making that relationship. Being a don't be an order taker, be a salesman, be a be an outgoing person. Like that's so not what this question was about. That answer, but no, man, I think it's good. It's it's not about the transaction; it's about the experience. Be be in the moment. Be custom be unique for every unique experience that you have to, you know, tailor that experience. A lot of people ask someone how they are and they really, they don't want to know the answer, but if you want to make a living in service and hospitality, you want to know that your guest sitting over there at seat four table 27, their kid is in this sport and their wife does this and they're regular. Like you've got to know them, man. Mm. I used to write with a black book, my guests that would come in that I'd meet that day. Even if I just got one little snippet of info, his name was Chris and his kids play soccer. So the next time he came in, dude, I'd go back and I'd reference, I'd know this dude. What's his name? I love Chris. That. I did. I love, sorry. right. Yeah. I did something very similar when I worked at a country club, I managed a little food shack. But the cool thing about that was, is we, I got to see who was teeing off and what time they were teeing off. Nice. So I would be like, okay, I'm at the eighth hole. I know that this person's coming, that person's coming, this person's coming. People would order the same things. I would write it down. They would come up. I'd be like, here you go. Mm-hmm. They, and sometimes like once I think I would do shit like, Somebody skipped my hole, right? They, they, they were running late, so they skipped a few holes. I got in the golf cart. I met them two holes down with their order, and I said, I, I knew you were in a hurry today, so here you go. Not the food and beverage game. It's the relationship game. Yes, man. And like that is the shit. Like Just caring, giving a fuck about the other people across from you yep. is really what it comes down to. Uh, I love that. Thank you for using that example. Um, what is one book that's a must-read to make us a better person or a restaurant owner? Dude, that's simple. Like, I'm gonna go religious here. It's like the it's the Bible. Do do unto others and and serving others. Like, yeah. that's simple. Man. I'm I'm personally not a religious person, but the Bible is essentially a, a it's like the the original how to win friends and influence people. Right. You know, it's 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 a how to be right. And, and it's a great book to learn about how to treat others for Correct. sure. Yep. I love that. Um, what is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough? This one's tough because I'm I'm pointing the finger at myself. Uh, 
when you get to a scalable size where you've got more than one, you've got to go spend time in the stores. When it's your first one, mm-hmm. you're in the store every day because yeah. you are everything. But when you grow to a size, you've got to go invest time in the store. And secondly, it's we don't praise enough. Mm. We're so negative and picking out the negatives and this is wrong, this is wrong. Pr- giving praise is, is – is lacking. I love it. I love it. What is one service you've hired or outsourced that's had a huge impact on your organization? So this is not necessarily a technology, but somebody or a group of people that do something really well that you've outsourced to. Secret shops. Okay. What's that? So when Aaron and I come in, we're always, (laughs) we're traditionally given a different experience than if we were a, um, uh, uh, Joe blow yeah. off the street. It's what happens when the boss rolls in like bosses here. When that yeah. undercover boss, that yeah. secret <laughs> shop that they don't know is taking notes and observing and giving us feedback. We get a real true test of how we're performing. And if mm. we're meeting certain standards and if they were greeted in 30 seconds and if their beverages hit the table in two minutes and how long it took after they placed the order for when the food to hit the table, if the food was hot, yeah. like we get all of that. And what's the name of this company? One more time. Um, a closer look. A closer look. Awesome. Yep. Uh, we'll be linking to that in the show notes. Again, this is episode 776. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 776. And uh, we'll link to that in the books and tools that are recommended. Uh, so uh, the le- the next question I have for you is what is one technology you've outsourced to? So this is a technology that has had a huge impact on a communications, efficiencies, profitabilities, anything along those lines. Man, um, AppFront is a third-party app that we've used that has done big-time revenue. This is not Postmates, DoorDash, Grubhub. We've just just engaged Chowley to take all your tablets out of the store and go on one um, cloud system to directly integrate with Toast, our point of sale, and enter your DoorDash, your Postmates, your Grubhub orders for you, and they print up in the kitchen to execute. Uh, I'm giving you two and three answers So it's here. not like a dashboard. No, this yes, is perfect. Correct, I love this. Correct. It's, it's one thing to talk about Chally something. Chally is, yes. But it's also really great to talk about how these things, and that's what we're going to try to be doing. No, scratch that. We will be doing, I keep on pitching myself here, in the network, we're really going to start to talk about and use examples and like really try to figure out, like, oh, this is being recommended, that's being recommended, how do we plug this shit together and use it streamlined? And right. Like, like, so get into it. But AppFront, uh, so, so I went two routes with, I went three routes with you. So Our point of sales Appfront, toast. Charlie. Charlie. Charlie Charlie's that dashboard that, that, that grabs all the third-party delivery Ad-care. apps. And, and you don't have to plug in all these tablets and you don't have to enter the orders manually. It'll direct uh, sync and, and, and talk to your point of sale and produce it in the kitchen, the ticket. Um, so that's way cool. Uh, because you're, t- you're, yeah. Streamline. App, yep. AppFront is, uh, I'm sure there are several out there who, it looks like it's Beer Beer's app, or it looks like it's Chickenfoot's app, or looks like it's Hatch's app, but it's a third party, um, AppFront who, uh, syncs and, uh, talks to our point of sale and prints it up and, uh, then it sends the order to, you can either pick it up or sends it to a third party delivery. And so it's just cool. And, and it offers rewards to the guest. And that's who taught you how to put all these things together. My director of marketing, okay. uh, hire smarter people than you. Yeah. And, and she, you know, she's tackled that and taken that on. And, uh, 
she uh she's a beast and she's awesome awesome uh thank you um all right the last question get ready for it i get a lot of eye rolls with this question if you got the news you'd be leaving this world tomorrow all the memories of you your work and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy what would those three pieces of wisdom be treat others how you want to be treated one Go for no. Yeah, two. <laughs> you can do it. Yes, man. I've loved this conversation, Jeff. Thank you so much. We wrap up every chat. I'll say that over. We wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. So who's somebody you respect and admire in this industry and believe would make a great guest mentor like you made for us today? If I got them on the show tomorrow, you would be listening to that episode in a heartbeat. You need to go uh, reach out to Keith Paul. Yes. With a good egg dining group. Yes. He's in Oklahoma city. Uh, he, um, he was that guy I looked up to when I was doing the, the brick oven wood fire pizza concept. Mm -hmm. He, he was a restaurant tour. He had several concepts. Uh, and he was that guy that was like, gosh, I want to be a Keith Paul. Like, you know, I wanted to be that. And I, I could have said the same for a Hank or a Mike or a, a house myth. Like I wanted to be those guys, but this was a guy who wasn't in that organization who was that, you know, gosh, I want to be this guy. And yes. he's a, he's a, he's a colleague and a friend and a mentor. And a, I look up to him and, and we bounce ideas off of each other. We talk to each other monthly and, uh, you know, this business can be full of, uh, competition, headbutting, me, ego is really ego. Yeah. And, uh, with he and I, I've never felt that. And mm -hmm. it, the relationship is open and, um, Dude. Here's the truth about that statement. And I am, I, if anybody can speak to this, it's, it's me. I think I have a unique experience with talking to a lot of successful people in a lot of different markets. And it's always the people that are willing to share their information, to come together, to support one another that are at the top. And that, that's why they're there because they, they, they we're stronger together. And I'm trying to take that ethos and I'm trying to echo it throughout the industry and to, to, to encourage people to talk to the person down the street to support each other, to be there for each other. We can go a lot further together. The industry will become better ships. All ships rise with the tide. I agree hundred percent, man. It's, it's no fun to live your life with hatred and every day to be, but I say that, um, really awkwardly because I'm a competitor. Like, I, well, I mean, friendly competition, the great game of business, right? It's a game, you know, and we compete. There's winners and there's losers. Um, but, at the end of the day, I mean, after the game, you still get beers with that person. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you, you can still come together after the game and, you know, be like, be friends. It's much cooler to live your life when I can call my competitor in Keith yeah. and, and shoot the shit with him and, and, and have fun, you know, good relationship versus the guys you don't talk to and the guys that you drive by and you're squinting your eyes at and you're, well, a lot of people that get into the industry will look up to, you know, the, the Jeff Dixons and the Keith's Paul's, uh, the Keith Paul's and say, you know, Oh, those guys like they're the, you know, like screw those guys. Have you ever thought about maybe just approaching that person and, and asking how they did it? So I know this is my life. This is what I do, right? This I, and people, you'd be surprised. And I, again, I'm a unique person to be able to speak to this. You'd be surprised how many people would be willing to help. 
And if you take that approach of approaching somebody and, and being vulnerable, what happens when you walk up to a dog and it rolls over on its belly? You get down there and you scratch right, that little of course. shit, you know, like in people they're the same way. Like if you show your vulnerability to somebody, they're going to help you out most times, more times than not. It's human nature. I know personally, I love it. I love to give back uh, to someone who's, who's hungry and asking for it. Yeah. I love to invest and give my time. And, and now if, if I was a dog and you walked, I uh, walked past you and I showed my teeth at you, what the fuck are you going to do? Right. Good point. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Like it, it, you got to be mindful of the way you come off and how you, are perceived by others. Um, all right. So, uh, the only thing we got to do is let the folks at home know how can we connect? If we, if we love this conversation we want to connect with you, what is the best way to connect? Uh, my, my email and my phone number is on my contact info on LinkedIn. Uh, Jeff Dixon, D I X O N with provision concepts. Uh, Jeff at eat, drink, PC.com. Uh, my number's on there too, 405-517-7607. Beautiful. Like, dude, hit me up. Oh, man, get ready for this. <laughs> you just opened the floodgates. It's all good, man. It's all good. Uh, I can't say thank you enough, Jeff. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Cheers. Cheers, brother. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thanks again to Jeff Dixon for joining us. And I don't always get to talk to a CFO. So that was really cool to get some of that financial advice, uh, how to approach investors. Uh, and man, I, tons of tons of great stuff came out of today's chat. Thanks again to Jeff Dixon. And guys, before I let you go, I want to remind you that we really could use your help growing this thing. That's one thing I haven't been good at, uh, really is, is asking for your help and, and sharing the vision of restaurant unstoppable and what we got going on. So I'm super psyched about restaurant unstoppable network. And I hope you are too. And you should be because we're doing a lot of cool things in the network. Jeff Dixon, I'm pretty sure we haven't scheduled the exact date, but within the next couple weeks, he will be joining us live to reflect on his episode uh, and to answer your questions about today's episode. But we also have some other really cool events coming up. We have, I'm, I'm trying to schedule his C MO or sorry, his uh, director of marketing uh, to come talk to us about how they've integrated toast and Charlie in this other party, this other third party app. So we're going to be talking about that or those are going to be called tech talks. And uh, we also have a workshop scheduled the day this episode goes live. So if you're listening to this on Monday morning, you had time to go get your link, head over to restaurant slash 776. I'll have a link for a 30 day trial in the show notes at one o'clock on Monday Eastern, we're doing a workshop on creating and owning your own native delivery with Scott Landers, who's like the expert on doing this. So if you want to learn more about that, come hang out in the network, get your 30 day trial. Uh, You can cancel at any time within that 30 days and your money back or no charge. We're not trying to trap you. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do coffee with Eric, where I'm just making myself available to you one hour a day or every, yeah, one hour a day, every Tuesday and Thursday. And then we also have a live tech demos. Uh, this week I'm going to be connecting with, uh, Joshua Sharkey from Mies. And that's a, basically it's kind of like a, a tool for organizing your recipes and owning those recipes. And, and it's a really great tool. We're going to learn more about that. That's on February 2nd, Tuesday. Um, and tons of new stuff coming in. I think we actually have a shop talk. So Brian Bogart, his episode was recorded last week. He is joining us on Thursday, the fourth. So that's on Thursday of this coming week to reflect on his episode. Like how badass is it that you get to listen to a podcast 
and then literally connect with the, the, the guests of that podcast and ask your questions. We're recording these too, and we're, we're filing these away within the network. So come hang out, come be a part of this mission to inspire, empower, and transform the industry by, by sharing knowledge, by encouraging each other to learn and to constantly grow. Uh, and it's lonely at the top, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, and I cannot wait to meet you when you do sign up for the network, you're going to get a 30 minute one-on-one chat with me. And the purpose of that chat is for me to learn as much about you and your business in that time uh, and then to also share the vision of the network and to share the core values of the network and you're going to get a tour of the network all with me uh, and I love those chats so we'll see you when you sign up and I cannot wait and until next time peace out